Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Brian Noe in for Jake. Query and company here on The Fan. Jimmy, how was Halloween, buddy? Everything good on your end? It was good. Can't complain. Trick-or-treaters camped in the neighborhood. Candy was given out at the cookhouse. It was a fun time. How about yourself? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. I want to hone in on uh, the candy you gave out. What did you go with this year? So we had the whatever the variety pack bag that had Twix, Reese's, Snickers, Kit Kats. Had a big bowl of it. It wasn't the full size, but I'm a I'm not a uh, stickler on candy. I'm like, hey, grab grab some handfuls of that. Go ahead. Get, get in on the action. You don't need to take just one. Because some of the parents are like, oh, just take one. I'm like, no, no, you're good. Go in there. Have some candy. Happy Halloween. So, You know, a couple of things come to mind. And uh, I will say right now, we will talk a lot of sports today. <laughs> this is just <laughs> one minute in your life that will not be pertaining to sports. Um, so I noticed that you said Reese's. That's how I used to say it as well. Yeah, we had this discussion earlier in the week. You and I? Uh, no, uh, Jake and I and Eddie, because I never really thought about it. But you can yeah. tell in the ads now, they are making it at a point of emphasis with Will Arnett's sweet, sweet vocals to say Reese's. Like that, yeah. that they've made that a clear point of emphasis. I'll never forget this. One of my radio friends, I said it doing a show. I was like, Reese's Pieces. And he was like, he just starts laughing uncontrollably. <laughs> and he's like, what? And I'm like, what? You're the weird one. What are you talking about? He's like, he's like pieces, and I'm like, how do you say it? And he's like, pieces. <laughs> it's Reese's pieces, right? You got to get the Reese's. If you go Reese's, you're going down a dark alley, my friend. You know what I'm saying? Correct. You're gonna go straight into the pieces gutter. Yeah. He was right. You don't hear people say Reese's pieces. You either do, it's it's right. it's all in harmony, regardless yeah. of which alley you decide to go down. That's right. I uh, tried to explain how to play cricket to a drunk guy last night. My girlfriend and I just went to like a local bar, hung out for a little bit. Are you familiar with how to play uh, cricket and darts, there, Jimmy? Uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm. I feel like I could teach you in probably 15 seconds tops. All right. This guy, it was a half hour tutorial and it didn't go well. <laughs> it did not go well. He's <laughs> like, so um, explain to me the point system here and how I'm supposed to get a 320s exam. I'm like, oh, dude, you're killing me right now. That was my evening. That was a big part of the evening. I wish I could say it sounds like a fun time, but it decidedly does not. <laughs> Um, No fun times for the Raiders last night. I bring this up because Josh McDaniels has uh, limited Colts ties, if you will, right? He was on the job for how long was it, Jimmy? A day? Was he the Colts head coach for a day? I don't know the exact hour count that he was with Indianapolis there. Right around the length of time it took you to explain darts to that gentleman last night is about (laughs) the time frame that he was here in Indy. Yeah. Well, uh, Josh McDaniels out of a gig. He was fired as Raiders head coach, along with the GM, Dave Ziegler. This news broke, Jimmy, at 1 a.m. Eastern time. (laughs) 
early yes. this morning. So I was still awake, and so I put immediate reaction out there about how sorry I feel for them because I really liked what the Raiders were doing with uh, Josh McDaniels and, and the general manager out there. Yeah. Uh, no, no AFC West bias in my voice here. I, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, yes. I, I really like that iteration of the Raiders. Sad to see them go. It's tough. It was a solid, solid <laughs> operation. Nine and sixteen. Josh McDaniels with the Raiders. And so you're looking at uh, what combined twenty and thirty-three. If you uh, bring in another AFC West team, the Broncos, who he was the head coach of for a uh, short stint right there, not great that Belichick head coaching tree. No, not great at all. And I wonder how long before uh, there's some type of job posting or opening for McDaniel's back in Bill Belichick's arms. Because you got to think if he makes a call. I don't know what the job title would be, but they'll they'll make room for him. I think this season if he was to ask, and then he'll probably wind up being a, a high ranking position once again out there if he wanted it next year. Maybe what they'll do, Jimmy, is um, now that they have Bill O'Brien there, they'll bring in Josh McDaniel's to run the defense. <laughs> kind of like how Matt Patricia was running yeah, the offense yes. last year. That's what they'll do. <laughs> Sounds like as good a plan as any with where they are right now. <laughs> yeah. Two wins that's, on the year. Couldn't get much worse. Could it? That's, that's what I'm expecting from them. Goodness. What a grease fire it is there. Uh, the trade deadline came and went yesterday. Nothing Colts related, right? Any any rumors at all? Any lesser names that might have been rumored to go? I know you mentioned one right before the show. Uh, I'm not surprised that that Zach Moss is still where he's at because, again, we go back to the running back market. Are you going to get wowed by an offer for a, what's a backup running back right now? No, so I, I'm not surprised he's still there. Yeah, I mean, th- there were some rumblings perhaps that you know maybe he could be a guy that could be on the move because you have Jonathan Taylor. You made that big money signing with him, a team that was to sign Zach Moss, who given the workload and maybe you would point to it and say, well, Hey, somebody has to have carriers. Somebody has to be a part of the offense for a team, but given the workload, he's still top five in the league in rushing yards, despite the fact that Jonathan Taylor has been back for two or three weeks and he would be under team control on a friendly deal, uh, Correction, I guess this is the last year of his contract. So you would have to do some negotiations there uh, on his rookie deal of, what, four or five seasons. But if you're a team that needed depth at that position, maybe that's a small move the Colts could have made. Mm-hmm. Uh, very early in the week, this wasn't from any Colts reporters, but there was discussion had on these airwaves of, hey, you know, the Vikings down a quarterback now. Would they call about Minshew? You look at like maybe names they could need as a spot fill for the rest of the year. Tannehill's name was brought up. Hmm. We discussed Minshew just from the local angle of maybe that's a, that's a, a veteran that you could use the rest of the way. They ultimately go up with Joshua Dobbs instead, and they solve that void. So no, nothing in terms of the rumor mill. Uh, my post-deadline reaction is slightly frustrated on the Colts' side just because I feel like, and Colts fans I think would agree with me on this, Chris Ballard loves his picks, and even though they might not be in the window right now to win now, if you could have brought in a guy that you would have to immediately pay, but a guy like Chase Young, Montez Sweat, that would help you on the edge at two spots where either one, either one of them, and plug them on the edge where you're unable to get consistent pass rush to this point this season, despite what you've seen at times from Pay. I would have liked to have seen a proactive move there and the price points that were given out I don't think is outrageous for what the Bears gave up or what the 49ers wound up giving up. All that said, not surprised that they stood pat and didn't do anything as a buyer or a seller. What, what about you? Are you shocked at all as a team that is 
likely not going anywhere this year that they would stand pat? Um, no, I'm not surprised or frustrated because this is just where they are. You know, they are. Uh, I thought it was good self analysis <laughs> where they're they're not dumb like the Bears. I'll put it that way, right? What are the Bears doing? They're not in go for it mode. They're not in contention mode. And they trade a second rounder for Montez Sweat? What are you doing? And so the Colts, I look at them and it's like, they're not in go for it mode. They're not a contender in the AFC. So why would they go out right now? I just don't think the timing is right to make a move like that. And that's where it goes back to Anthony Richardson being on the shelf for the rest of the year. That being a major, major uh, blow right there where let's say that he's been healthy this whole season and you have more to go on and you're like, wow, man, this rookie can play over here. I, I think that could change the math. But with him being on the shelf, they know they're not in go-for-it mode right now. So I don't think it made sense to go out and trade a pick for an asset. You want to trade assets for picks. I think that's where the Colts are right now. I'm not going to sit here and defend the Bears, right? They've they've shown over my lifetime alone the incompetence from multiple different regimes that have tried to run that team. What I will say, and this is a caveat of assuming they extend Montez Sweat, the reason I could see that move being okay, and I will concede it was undercut when the 49ers only gave up a third-round pick to go get Chase Young. That that sort of windles down, did you maybe really overpay in that scenario when the Niners a couple of... 30 minutes or so later, only give up a third rounder for arguably a equal or maybe more talented pass rusher. And then you're left looking like, Whoa, I'm sorry, we did what now? Right. But at the time when the move happened, my thought was the Bears are not attractive in a wide variety of ways right now. You don't even know who their quarterback is going to be next year. Because maybe they go out and get Caleb Williams or Drake May or they go do something in that department and they are a couple of years away from maybe things working out for them. But to get a talent on Sweat's level with the caveat that they extend him, I viewed that trade as you're locking up a clear-cut pass rusher for you for, what, a four-year deal probably if they get an extension done with him or if they finalize him in the offseason, and you're jumping the line that would be free agency to go out and get his services right away. Like that again, whether it's not a good move or not, I don't know. I was okay with the compensation, like I said, until the Niners did what they did, and then okay, maybe they overpaid for it. But that's my viewpoint. The Bears are not in that different of a boat than the Colts are right now, but you're locking up a pass rusher for the four year start of your next era and having a position solidified on your defensive spot while jumping the line in free agency is the reason I think they made that move. Did they overpay? Eh, probably. Yeah, well, they probably overpaid for a guy that you're going to have to pay now. Right. <laughs> right? Like, right. So it's a double whammy in terms of payment. It's the second rounder you gave up. It's the contract you're going to have to give, assuming they can get that done. Right? Sure. And then you're also thinking about the age. It's not like uh, Montez Sweat is in year two. Right. You know, I don't want to make him a 35-year-old long-in-the-tooth yeah, guy. He's 27. But, I mean, you're, you're getting the second chapter of his career yeah. and probably not much after that. Right, so it goes back to, would you rather have the scratch-off lottery ticket of trying to find someone in the draft, or is there more of a proven commodity 
that you have to double dip in terms of payment. <laughs> you know, that's not sexy. And the window you're in. Right. What window are you in? You might have the number one overall pick if you're the Bears. Maybe. You're that bad. Yep. You are that bad. Yep. And they're making a move like that. Ah, oh, I'd much rather be Team Colts than Team Bears in terms of the trade deadline. The reason if you're Colts or Bears, though, why you might go after a proven commodity is that you've kind of shown the last couple of drafts maybe edge rusher finding isn't your strength. Or maybe you've not made it a priority. And maybe the lottery ticket doesn't sound as appealing to you. I know that speaks to maybe deeper flaws within your own front office. But if I'm the Bears, that's probably part of the reason why is the proven commodity seemed like a more viable option than, hey, let's see if we can talent evaluate, which, oh, wait, that's part of our job description. Maybe we should be good at that. So a lot of double-edged swords there across the board. Again, I was okay with what the Bears did for about 30 minutes, and then the Niners trade went down, and I was like, okay, maybe a second rounder, possibly a bit too steep for a guy that you're probably getting four, maybe five good years out of. Well, that's the thing, too, is this is where it comes back to window a lot for me, Mm -hmm. is you mentioned the Niners trading for Chase Young. That makes all the sense in the world Mm -hmm. to me. They are absolutely in go-for-it mode. So you get, this is crazy, too, you've you've got Chase Young, number two overall pick in 2020, matched up with Nick Bosa, Number two overall pick a year earlier in 2019. You've got got a pair of number two overall picks. Nick Bosa is fantastic. Chase Young has been good. He's just been nicked up and inconsistent. He's he's been all right. But it's certainly worth a third-round flyer considering where you are right now in the pecking order of the NFL. I love that move. I'm like, they got him for a third rounder? Now, if the Bears made that deal, I'm like, what are they doing (laughs) getting him for a third rounder? It's just not the right time to do that. Yeah, you got to strike when the iron's hot, when your window is there. And on top of that, I'm not sure if you mentioned this already, but Eddie and I discussed it yesterday with the way compensatory picks are set up for the Mm -hmm. Niners. They're basically going to get that pick or a third round pick back anyway, even if they lose him to free agency next year. So so not a high-risk move by any means in terms of the draft capital they gave up, and their window is clearly now. They're on the extension of, what, a four- or five-season window ongoing to be in contention for a Super Bowl, and they want to shore up a defense when they know what Philadelphia did this offseason, what Philadelphia's already done this season in terms of acquisitions, and you don't want to have any competitive disadvantage for when your defense is on the field and the pressure they might have to apply to, say, Jalen Hurts. Yes, that's right. I'm simulating to the NFC Championship game. I think that's probably what it'll wind up being, depending on where seating goes and all that. But if that is the case, you don't want to feel like Brock Purdy is further handicapped through all of this and Jalen Hurts is getting away scot-free. Like That, that front for San Francisco didn't think it could get more menacing is more menacing after yesterday. And that's the way you want to feel as a contender. Like you got out of the deadline with a piece that makes you even more formidable than you were before. Well, and that's the thing too with the Bears. <laughs> now they're not even close to a Niners type window. Is you go back to the offseason, they made a move for Tremaine Edmonds and gave him huge money. Yeah. Really good linebacker, but it's like, should you be doing that now? And right before they traded for Montez Sweat, Tremaine Edmonds got banged up on Monday, on Sunday Night Football in front of the world against the Chargers. And it's like, you know what? It hasn't worked out yet. Let's go get another veteran and pay him <laughs> top dollar. Oh, the Bears are drunk. 
they are out of their freaking minds. Oh, they are doing a terrible job trying to replenish this roster. Awful. Again, it's kind of been the same story for them for quite some time. Uh, for Marvin Harrison Jr.'s sake, assuming he ends up there with the Bears holding both Carolinas and theirs pick, uh, I, I hope they at least make things somewhat right for him because it would be a shame to see a top-level commodity in a premium position be wasted away with an incompetent organization like Chicago. Uh, you know, it's funny, too, because uh, um, I was listening to some Philadelphia radio yesterday. Okay, and uh, they were talking about Justin Fields and the hosts were like, oh, uh, Justin Fields, he's a good quarterback. You get him in a different situation. And I mean, you look at this guy, if if he was over here in Philly, you know, look out. And I'm like, I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) I think Justin Fields is the white is the black Sam Darnold. That's what I think (laughs) he is. I think that he meaning Sam Darnold didn't have a whole lot to work with with the Jets. And a lot of people thought, oh, if you just give them some weapons, look out. And it's like, right. yeah, no, still no. <laughs> like, I could see that being the case with Justin Fields. Why are we sold on Justin Fields? I know he doesn't have a whole lot to work with, but, I mean, look at Trey Lance. Trey Lance had a ton to work with, and he did nothing with the 49ers. But just because Justin Fields can move around and he has the wow factor, he's not a precise passer at all. If you gave him some weapons, that would absolutely help. But these people thinking that, oh, this guy, he's like, what? But he's with, a top 10 guy. He's a legitimate top half playmaker. I don't see it at all. With how bad the Bears have been, and we've highlighted that a number of times already to start this show, it wouldn't surprise me if he was better off in a different destination, if he had a better career because of that. I'm not saying he's going to reach the heights that some people still to this day project him out to be, mm-hmm. but to us, I don't think the ascension would be as big. But I look at what Miami has looked like offensively, and there's a number of different moving parts there, so bear with me for a second. But since Mike McDaniel's been there and just the transformation season by season compared to where they were a couple of years ago, that matters and if you're able to, even just from the coaching style, I'm not even talking about the playmakers, but the coaching style gets somebody that appears to be nodding over their head or appears to have real offensive ideology and competence, that can go a long way for developing a young quarterback. I feel the same way right now about Justin Herbert out in L.A. I don't think Staley's a good coach. I feel like he is hindered by him. And if you had competent offense there, particularly at the top of the food chain, he might be better off. So I, I don't know. I mean, the writing's on the wall in Chicago. They're going to go get a quarterback in the offseason, and then what happens with Justin Fields will wait till the dust clears for that. But I, I'm not fully out on the fact that he couldn't be better in this league if he had actual competence setting him up for success. Well, the funny thing to me is, and, and I've got to tell you real quick, coming up in, in just about 10 minutes or so, Jimmy, Colts-centric. Okay, I know we're spending a little time on the Bears here, but I find this interesting. I've got two possible nightmare scenarios for the Colts. Okay, I know I normally come in spreading holiday cheer, you know, but... <laughs> Halloween was yesterday, Brian. I gave this some thought, and these are possibilities that uh, you might not want to recognize are such. But but getting back to uh, the Bears and beyond, right, with Justin Fields, I don't know what Justin Fields has done to get such a benefit of the doubt. What has he done? 
right? Like, I don't understand why. And I hear you, Jimmy. I do. And it's not just me talking to you. I'm, I'm kind of like talking through you to all these other people saying some similar things. Sure. And I keep coming back to what has he done to get the benefit of the doubt? He's like Mitch Trubisky. If you compare Mitch Trubisky to Justin Fields, shaky coaching, shaky weapons around him, who was saying, hey, if you put Mitch in another situation, look out? No one was saying that because we didn't think anything of the guy. He didn't have the star-studded college career that Justin Fields had. Maybe that has something to do with it. But if you look at Mitch beyond, Mike Tomlin's a stable head coach. Mitch just got on the field last week and was freaking terrible because that's what he is in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what it is with Justin Fields where the wow factor is there much greater than Mitch Trubisky, but you can tell, and you mentioned it with Justin Herbert, I'm with you. Brandon Staley is not a good NFL head coach. That's obvious. And Justin Herbert is still a very good quarterback. He's got better weapons than Justin Fields, but you tell me, if Justin Fields has those weapons, do you know he's putting up Justin Herbert numbers? I don't think so at all. If Justin Herbert had uh, Justin Fields' weapons, is he just in the toilet and he's got numbers like Fields? I don't believe so either. I mean, I think the reason the hype was there for Justin Fields going into this season is A, both the Bears and him struggled mightily in the 12 games he played in in his rookie season. And in 2022, he puts together a 2,000-yard passing campaign. That's not the part that pops. The part that pops is he also was able to rush for over 1,000 yards as well. Eight touchdowns on the ground, 17 through the air to 11 picks. The accuracy was serviceable, about 60% in that regard. And this year, look, I said this in the offseason, and we don't have time to look for the tape, but like them getting DJ Moore was mm-hmm. advertised nationally as they have found a number one wide receiver in Chicago Everything is going to be okay now. And I thought Moore was fine in Carolina, but he is one of those players I would put in the criteria of, yes, he gets open. Yes, he's a vertical threat, but somebody has to be the wide receiver one on a bad team. And I didn't think that was a real solution in Chicago's offense. On top of the receivers lack thereof, they already had a round field. So by default, Brian, I would lean. I don't know if he'd put up Herbert numbers, but he would most definitely in my mind have a better stat line and probably game to game look if he was with the weapons that are in LA like LA has one of the best receiving cores in all the AFC non-Cincinnati non-Miami division they're top three or top four in terms of the weapons they have around Herbert so I would lean yes I think he's better than he is in Chicago but would it be better than Justin or would it be better than Herbert as a whole I don't know probably not well that's the thing is what's interesting to me too is when uh, just like the common perception of certain quarterbacks how it can differ so often if you look at Mac Jones now we can't chalk this up to shaky coaching <laughs> with Belichick there last year with certainly with the brain trust of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge you know not exactly uh, proven offensive minds and commodities over there, right? Like, it yeah. was shaky coaching from that standpoint. No weapons to speak of. And the common thought on Mac Jones is like, this freaking guy over here, Mac Jones, oh gosh. And then it's, oh, poor Justin Fields <laughs> with his lack of weapons and his shoddy coaching. And if this guy just had weapons, he'd be unbelievable. And I'm like, 
I would have I'd rather have Mac Jones over Justin Fields in the NFL in a heartbeat. It is a passing league. It's cool you can run around, you can extend plays, you can gain yards. Awesome, great. You're at further injury risk, but it's a passing league at the end of the day. The rules are set up for you to be precise and move the ball through the air. Mac Jones is much more efficient and much more precise than Justin Fields ever will be. I'd take Mac in a heartbeat. And the what you'll hear is the exact opposite. Repeat, 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 repeat. And I just totally disagree with it. That's because... There's two things with that. One, I feel like Mac Jones gets judged harder because of what Belichick did with Brady, and the thought is, hey, he should be able to develop any young quarterback into a special talent. Not necessarily a GOAT talent, but a special talent. I think he's judged harder there, and surprisingly enough, I can't even say he's judged harder because of the market, because Chicago is what Chicago is. That said... I don't. I, I think it, it's basically like the pot calling the kettle black with both of them. Because if you turn on five, ten minutes of any offensive series for either of those teams in this season, they both look horrific. Like they both look awful. And I think the reason that I would lean with the majority, why I would lean with Fields, is I feel like, especially with his ability to run the ball, there's more of an upside there. But I don't like either one of them. I'm, I'm, I, I would trash either one of Mac Jones or Justin Fields because I don't think they're franchise commodities. That said, I would like to see more of Fields. I think people would like to see more of Fields. For whatever reason, they don't want to see any more of Mac Jones. For me, it's that, yes, the completion percentage is high, but that offense is gross. <laughs> they're just a tough team to watch across the board on offense. I can't think of the perfect comparison off the top of my head, but it'd be kind of like a race. Okay, if you have two cars and you're trying to win a race, most people are going to pick the sports car, which is Justin Fields, right? Sure. It's the sexier car. It goes faster. Maybe there's there are some drawbacks like the gas mileage sucks and the transmission might blow up on you. Whatever. Right. Mac Jones is like the beat up Subaru that gets great (laughs) gas mileage and might end up winning the race. But you're like, am I really going to pick the beat up Subaru? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's how most people evaluate those two yeah. guys. But there are times where Kirk Cousins is a beat-up Subaru. That dude puts up numbers. Sure. <laughs> right? Like, he's thought of that way, but yeah, he puts up numbers. We got to get to Jimmy coming up here. Oh, man. This is, I'm going to speak a, a little bit quietly because I got to, you know, I don't want to throw too much at the, the faithful listeners here of 90. 90- 93.5 and 107.5, the fan is. There are two possibilities here, Jimmy. All right? You and almost everybody listening will probably hate both of these possibilities. Okay? But you got to recognize them as at least possibly coming true in the not-too-distant future. Okay? I'm going to throw them at you coming up, and we'll see what you think about it. I'm Brian No in for Jake. Jimmy Cook's with us here. It's Query and Company on The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Oh, what's going on? Brian No in for Jake here. Jimmy Cook with us. 93.5107.5 The Fan. So, uh... You know, Jimmy, I, I didn't mention Will the Thrill Levis in the entire first segment of the show. I easily could have led with that, with uh, 
sterling performance he had. We were taking wagers during the break at, at the house soon that would come up. We also have predictions for your nightmare scenarios, and I, I feel I feel very confident Uh-oh. already now. Oh uh, uh, yeah, more so than I was before on at least one of them. Okay, all right. You know, it might be a guessing game here in a second, but first, I've I've got audio. I, I came bearing gifts. You're always armed. You I appreciate that. Very kind. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so uh, let's see here if I uh, reach into the old bag of tricks. I found this funny. This is this is life in the NFL. If you're like, we need an audio cut to just sort of encapsulate life in the NFL, this would be it. This is Malik Willis. This is from Sunday's game, Titans beat the Falcons. Okay, Malik Willis gets on the field to run a play in the second quarter. Listen to the fans. On the telecast here on CBS. Check this out. Yeah, back to Willis. The crowd's not happy. <laughs> Poor Malik Willis gets back in the game. There was a bad snap earlier. It was a fumble. It wasn't Malik Willis's fault at all. Malik Willis goes in the game to run a play, and the home crowd is like, boo, get this guy out of here. We want Levis. Will the thrill? You could kind of hear the chants. I don't know that I heard that one. I definitely heard the booze audibly. Maybe that was me. Maybe that was me. Let's hear. Just really squint your eyes and and listen if you can hear the Will the thrill in the background as he re-enters the game. Interesting development here. The crowd. Some of them were booing. Others were trying to keep it quiet for the offense. How crazy is that, man? It's I feel bad for Malik Willis, but that's life in the NFL. It's like, we just saw Will throw a touchdown pass, a bomb to DeAndre. Get this Levis, get this uh, Malik Willis guy out of here. More Levis. That's, that's just the way it goes, man. That's a, it's a hungry fan base that is so desperate to see something successful at the quarterback position that they're willing to get drawn into one high-level start. I, I feel for the Titans. I understand. I, I get it. I, I get it. They, they've been hungry. They've been stuck with Ryan Tannehill game management for five or six years, and they see Will Levis just throw some absolute darts to wide open receivers, and you just you you get excited. I, I'm happy for them. I really am. Wow, I, that's that sounds like some uh, Brock Purdy like analysis right there. Uh, this was again on CBS the second the second of four touchdown throws from Will Levis. This was uh, you know pinpoint accuracy yet again. Down back to Will Levis. Levis to D Hop. Is that the new Montana to Rice? Or is right. that going a little right. too far? Okay, okay. Yes, okay. Yes. I'm, I'm just I'm okay. throwing it out there. I don't know if that's too much or not. I'm just asking. I, I yes. When he starts okay. hitting trailing Burks, then we can start having that conversation. <laughs> a decade from now. Okay. Now here's the guessing game. All right. I see two possible scenarios. Now Colts fans would not want to recognize either of these as even remote possibilities. But there are two possibilities on my list. And it seems like you might have one pinned down here, Jimmy. Would you like to guess as to what's on my list? Yeah, so I would say at least one of these, thank you for the drum already, very much appreciated, (laughs) is that 
Will Levis either A, winds up being a better NFL quarterback than Anthony Richardson. For the audience, in case you're just tuning in, that is not a prediction of mine. I do not subscribe to that view. This is me making a guess at what Brian is uh-huh. holding out as possibilities. I need to distance myself from this. By the this. way, Eddie, it, with some savvy editing, could you cut that up to make it sound <laughs> like that's what Jimmy is saying? I feel Sorry, like, he's my friend. I can't uh, do that. Thank you, That's <laughs> okay. a good man. That's a good man right there. Um, and I, so I would say that either he's going to wind up being the better QB in your mind, or I would go a step further, and perhaps your nightmare scenario is you think he is going to be the best quarterback of the entire 2023 draft class. You're close. So the first one is correct. It's just a possibility. The possibility exists. That's right that the Colts drafted the wrong quarterback. That is at least possible that Will Levis turns out to be a better pro quarterback than Anthony Richardson. Like that's, that's not only possible. In some estimations, that's likely. Okay, It just depends on how you evaluate both guys. Is it possible? Yes. But by that same junction, if I'm going off of one Will Levis start... I could tell you from, at times, the dual threat capability of Anthony Richardson, I could tell you it's a possibility that Anthony Richardson is the better quarterback than Will Levis or go a step further if I wanted to throw out unrealistic or maybe unobtainable possibilities, I would say Anthony Richardson is going to win an MVP before Will wow. Levis does. Like I, 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 I could throw that out there, too, if we're throwing Whoa. out possibilities. That's just I mean, insane. you brought up Montana and Rice earlier. I feel well, like that's that was just a joke. joke. That's, oh, that's oh, just a oh. clear joke right there. It's <laughs> a dramatic effect right there. But I think it's more likely and more possible that Anthony Richardson, yes, dual threat quarterback, but he's on the shelf in week three next year based on how things are going. The guy's got to stay upright. You, sure. You've got to stay healthy in the, to be anything in the NFL. And not off to a great start, Anthony Richardson. You know, this isn't one fluke, crazy injury. He didn't finish three of the four games sure. he started. Sure. That has to change or there's no chance. In the same vein to where... I'm not going to make a judgment on Anthony Richardson for what his career is yet. Regardless of if Will Levis would have looked good or bad, and he did look good against the Falcons, one game does not a career make. But no. yes, you, you, it, would, it would be fair. This is the same conversation extended what we had during the draft. Yes, you would be able to make that assessment that he could be a better quarterback. Sure, yes. Right. I, I, I can concede that. Okay. Now, this was the second item on my list. This is a bigger nightmare for the Colts. It is possible that the Colts have the worst quarterback in the division. Think about that. Trevor Lawrence is clearly better. There's no doubt. He's the number one guy right now. Yes. C.J. Stroud has surprised me. I have been completely wrong about the guy to this point. He's been very good. And I thought that coming from Ohio State with all those first-round wide receivers, all that talent around him, stud offensive line, I thought that he needed a ton around him in the NFL at a much higher level than college. Seemed to make sense, but he's making it work with Nico Collins and Tank Dell. And God bless him for doing that. C.J. Stroud has gotten off to a very good start. So you got Trevor Lawrence, you got C.J. Stroud. It's possible Levis is better than Richardson. Richardson might be the caboose in the AFC South. That is a possible nightmare scenario also. Sure. Again, it is a possibility. It would line up with the same possibility I conceded a moment ago, which is that, yes, like that's a 
that's an assessment that was being discussed before the draft and after the performance that Will Levis had against the Falcons. That is an assessment that could be made also. I will point out a caveat here, which is life in the NFL. It is what it is. Colts fans will have to, on your scoreboard and likely mine, wait an entire year before any response is made by Anthony Richardson. Like I've, I've put the Richardson career, I think like you have, on pause. Injuries happen. Sometimes, like maybe maybe he does wind up being an injury riddled quarterback. I tend to be the optimist. I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe he does. However, Will Levis now has the opportunity as a starter in the National Football League to maybe string together a point that, hey, I am the franchise of the future here in Tennessee, and they don't need to worry about anything else because they've got me under control. Sure, that's a possibility, but I need to see more. And I yeah. think deep down, whether from excitement or because you are a smart man in regards to sports, you want to see more too before you're willing to crown him as the second best quarterback in the division. Well, first off, thank you very much. You're welcome. For you're the, welcome. Uh, you know, the nice the compliment kind of there. That's yep. very yep. nice of you. Yep. But no, yep. it's true. Absolutely. It's just, it's one start. It was a tremendous start. Like, like, <laughs> like he's the third player in NFL history with four passing touchdowns in his first game. Yep. The third in NFL history. Got that the first time. Thank you. Right. Yep. I just wanted to emphasize I that. that. Been a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of great quarterbacks that have not done that in their debut. So that means something. Again, you know, one game. I don't buy the dart story anymore. I think the last five days have just been you rewatching Will Levis highlights <laughs> and, and nothing else has taken place in your social life. I think that you, you've just hunkered down and you've analyzed every angle of that Titans Falcons game. And that's been the last couple days for you. You know what? This gives me an idea going forward. <laughs> when something is frustrating me or annoying me, like that guy, the drunk guy, is trying to explain cricket to yeah. while we were shooting darts, yep. I just need to say, hold on, man. I can multitask here. And I need to go on NFL Plus <laughs> and just bring up Week 8, Levis v. Falcons, you know? And as I'm trying to explain and he's still not getting it, at least I can have some satisfaction of like, see? I was saying this guy might be a legitimate NFL quarterback. You got a built-in pick-me-up now. There that's you go. right. Yep. It's gotten off to a good start. A lot more yet to be determined. We all know that. But just think about that possibility for a second, Jimmy. What if Anthony Richardson turns out to be the worst quarterback in the AFC South? It'd be devastating. It, it, would, it would set the franchise back. Ballard's out of a job. Maybe Steichen's is too. Like, yeah, yeah. It, 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 would be, it would be crippling. In, in but this, think it, about that. Correct. That's just the South. We're not even sure. looking at the AFC with Herbert, Mahomes. You just go division by division to uh, Josh Allen, right? Yeah. Burrow, sure. Lamar, it, on and on and on. You're the last guy in the AFC South. Sure. That can't happen. You have no chance for any success if that's the case. No, you don't. Uh, the, the same could be said for Houston with where they picked Stroud. Levis, the Titans, they can get by with it because it was a second-round selection. But, yes – you need Stroud if you're Houston and has so far and Richardson if you're Indianapolis jury's still out for him to work out otherwise it's a swing and a miss and all involved are likely looking for work at NFL Network man craziness okay coming up next just when you might have thought this story couldn't get better oh baby it did We'll share some details with you. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. We'll have Casey Vallier at the top of the hour talking some Colts. Man, Jimmy, this uh, Michigan sign-stealing story, just when you thought, okay, all right, they're stealing signs, everybody does it. Wait, wait. Now, the latest portion of the story is this sign-stealer, former, former military guy. He, he might have been on the sideline incognito in, in central Michigan. <laughs> Chippewas gear, stealing signs as the Chips played Michigan State this year, a future Michigan opponent at the time. This, this is beautiful. This is chef kiss type stuff. It's amazing. I'll tell you what, man. There are a couple layers to this. Jim Harbaugh is a first ballot Hall of Fame bold-faced liar. Are you kidding me, Jimmy? <laughs> to sit there with a straight face and say, I, I was unaware of this operation. Are you serious <laughs> right now? Do you really think anybody with half a brain would buy that? No. No, I don't. Also, if you've not seen the photos Brian's talking about, they are great. There's one where Stallions is a fist bump on the sideline behind <laughs> the coaching staff. Like it is, it is something that you think would be out of an SNL skit. Like it is, It is just... Beautiful. If you haven't gotten a chance, look up the uh, Central Michigan and then type in Stallions on there, and then you'll see him in all its glory. It is it is breathtaking. Man, oh man. This seemed to be, okay, they're stealing signs. Everybody does it. Okay, all right, yada, yada. And now this latest deal where, like you said, Connor Stallions, Michigan football analyst. <laughs> He's, he might have been, oh gosh, think about this. Maybe given a fake name, getting a credential to be on the chip sideline to scout a Michigan opponent. And oh, there was this story on The Athletic this morning, and they're interviewing 50 coaches. 94% of them said, yeah, they crossed the line with all of this. <laughs> like, this is way too much. This is above and beyond anything we've ever done. And I believe it. This isn't them just saying, oh, yeah, them and not us. They're like, yeah, we all do it, but that's that's pretty crazy overboard if you ask us. It feels like the same buildup and bubbling of, well, yeah, everybody still signs in baseball, but yeah. then you find out trash cans and electronic right. devices and video footage is being yep. utilized by the Astros, and it's like, whoa, this is like a whole other level of maybe – unsporting behavior that you know can't be condoned in any capacity and the more you kind of peel back the onions on this thing in Michigan the further down that path that we go of okay this is clearly systematic cheating that needs to be stamped out as quickly as possible well that's my question now is where does this end up what's going to happen to Michigan and so if you think about no these are professional leagues but just to take it into you know, take this for what it is. Spygate with the Patriots. So they were fined $250,000 and they lost a first round draft pick in 2008. If you look at the Astros, you just mentioned, Jimmy, it's a great comparison. $5 million fine. They lost their first and second round draft picks in 2020 and 2021. 
There's no draft with Michigan, but there are these things called scholarships. <laughs> kind of like the draft, right? I think they're probably going to get docked scholarships. Maybe they're on bowl probation, something like that. I don't think anything happens this year. I don't yeah, think I anything it. happens, yeah. right? Not during the season. Yeah, maybe it's something next year and, and at best. I mean, look, we've seen what the NCAA has done in the past with any allegations of cheating. Look no further than what happened with Bill Self. Like, What about rescinded wins? That could be a Yeah, but too. again, yeah. The, the, I, maybe, I maybe that. I'm in the minority on this. I don't know, but like we saw it happen. Like You can take away the wins, but like, at the end of the day, if Michigan goes on to win the national title this year, we're all going to have seen them raise the trophy. You can take away the banner. It right. still happened. Like, I... Yep. I don't know. There's there's nothing that could probably be done. Uh, worst case for Michigan, what probably ends up happening, and this has been the rumor mill for the last couple of months that this has been ongoing, maybe he he darts back to the NFL and Michigan is left to pick up the pieces. Right. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh, new Raiders head coach, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> or Bears or something. Raiders! That's right. But man, it just goes up such, it goes up three notches. Where it went from, okay, he's stealing signs, that's what everybody does, to he might be pulling out the fake mustache like Bobby Valentine, you know, (laughs) on an opposing sideline with a fake credential. And, oh, my gosh, this is way worse if that's the case. You got to get some in-helmet communication. That's a whole other issue right there where uh, something with the warranties and could they be – in line to be sued because it changes the dynamics of a helmet, all this type of stuff. But there's got to be a smart way to get communication in helmets or, or wristbands or something where this, and you got to punish Michigan. You just have to. I don't know what they're going to do specifically, but they have to do something or else everybody's going to do the same thing. There's no punishment. It's like going on the highway, like speed limit 70, Michigan was going 90 and you don't punish them. Well, I'm going 90 then, right? right? Yeah, some message has to be sent to push this from happening again. No doubt. All right, coming up next, Casey Valier. We'll talk some Colts. That's on the way. I'm Brian, though, in for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I want to welcome in Casey Valier, radio coordinator and in-game studio host for Colts Radio. That's a very fancy title. Casey, do you introduce yourself like that when you meet oh, somebody everywhere. new? Yeah. I just hand people my business card. Here you go. This is who I am. <laughs> Does it say the whole thing, right? Yeah. Oh, like, the whole thing. Yeah. I keep asking them if they can add more. You know, anything else that I do, you know, it's all about the more you can do. So every time I have anything additional, I add that to the business card, too. So my business card, it's actually like three cards in one now. I think a hyphen <laughs> is great for a business card, Casey, because you get in – Dash game studio host. I, I think there's something very. Uh, it's kind of like an ascot. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, wow, this guy's got some brains here. He can also add on there that one guy that has an Android on the business card too. Like that's that, that's an important that's an important aspect on there as well. You know, Jimmy, I feel like every time it always goes back to that the Android asterisk that you always bring in. I mean, next to your cell, I feel like it's easy to put in parentheses Android. That just so just so they know ahead of time what they're getting into. Casey, I'm an Android guy also. 
You know, uh, I'm right there with you. Yeah, there's, yeah. There, there's nothing better. You know, I and, and at this point, I'm so far invested that I right. can't switch. That's it. Because you, you get know, those backhanded comments, and it's like, you can't go to the iPhone dark side now, you know? Right. Not a chance. Yeah, not a chance. Join am, me, Casey. I am Android forever. <laughs> yeah, got to be at this point. Hey, what do you think about uh, the game against Carolina this weekend, facing the former Colts head coach Frank Reich there? Well, there's definitely a lot of storylines, that's for sure. I mean, it was one of those things that I know a lot of people here, and I'm sure a lot of people on that Carolina staff that left here uh, maybe had this game circled before the year for multiple reasons. You had the the Frank Reich angle, but you also had the uh, Bryce Young versus Anthony Richardson angle. We clearly know that angle is not going to come to fruition this year. But, yeah, there's definitely a lot of storylines. And, you know, we just got out of the locker room about uh, about a half hour ago, and – you know, Frank Reich had an impact, I know, def- definitely on me. As a human being, Frank Reich was one of the greatest human beings that I had ever met. And you go into that locker room inside the club, and that's what everybody is talking about is like, this is a business trip. We want to go out and win, but it's also going to be great to just go see a guy who just off the field meant so much to a lot of these people. So that's kind of where it is. Like, there is that, you know, that competitive thing where you're like all right he's our former coach you want to go out and beat him and all of that but deep down you know there are there is that humanity angle where frank is a wonderful guy and we wish him nothing but the best and it's going to be kind of cool to see him again casey valier the Colts radio network is our guest casey now that the deadline has passed and as a you know member of the Colts radio network you're able to speak about the team itself and the personnel that are on your roster were you surprised about the same expected it wanted to see more where would you evaluate how the dust cleared and the Colts roster staying relatively the same to where it was prior to 4 p.m. yesterday you know honestly it's kind of what I anticipated um because I think you're you're kind of in that that window where you don't really know where you are entirely for this season like I don't think this season season is a complete wash so therefore you wouldn't be you know a seller But then you also kind of have to look at the horizon where it's like, all right, I don't know where we are. So it's like you're in that that, that odd area, whether you're a buyer or a seller. Um, So honestly, I anticipated them staying pat. There were, you know, you hear all kinds of rumors and stuff. And yeah, I mean, it it makes sense for people to speculate on whether or not you keep two running backs like the Colts have right now. When Jonathan Taylor's kind of come up to speed, you keep Zach Moss. But I think Zach Moss has shown that, you know, he really adds a lot to this offense. I understand, you know, when you look at it from where are your, you know, 2024 free agents, where do they stack up? And I don't know if you necessarily know, have all these answers on whether or not you want these guys to be a part of that long-term plan. So this is kind of what I anticipated was kind of staying pat and, you know, going with, I mean, you look at this schedule, it's one of those things that schedule is always on paper and that's never really what happens on Sundays because any week there could be changes, but this schedule is still very manageable for the Colts, so I don't think it's panic mode that we have to just sell everybody and prepare for next year because I do think there's still some winnable games on the schedule. He's Casey Valier with Colts Radio here on The Fan. I agree with you, Casey, where it's hard to assess where they are and where they will be. What's your best guess as to both of those questions? <laughs> I mean, that that is a question I think we're all trying to answer. Um, after this three-game slide that you've seen, you know, a lot of points being scored, it really gives you a little pause on, 
you know, we had a lot of high hopes on this defense, and there's been a lot of points scored. I think, you know, over 37 points the last three weeks. So you then you go, well, can you win football games when you're allowing that? But then you look at the guys that are in place, and there's still a, a lot of really good football players on that defense. I think that was coming into the year an area where you thought was the strongest part of this Colts roster. So I think at some point it's going to click. They're going to be able to, you know, work out a way to get to get kind of this points allowed kind of under wraps. And what we've seen out of Shane Steichen in this offense, it almost looks like it doesn't really matter his personnel. He can scheme up things and make this offense kind of run pretty well. I mean, only team to score over 20 points in every single game. And over the last handful of weeks, I mean, they're scoring 20 early. So, you know, I think the offense is showing you enough. I think the defense is going to continue to come around. So, Ultimately, I do think this team is going to turn things around. I think these next two weeks are very winnable games. And then you head into the bye, so you can go in with a couple wins, have a little momentum, get some rest. And then you got Tampa Bay lurking right after that, and that's a winnable football game as well. So you look at these next three, and all of a sudden, if you win three in a row, it changes the whole outcome of the season. Casey Vallier of the Colts Radio Network, brought to us by Shelly Materials, the concrete and aggregate experts. Casey, as you look at the Colts roster, you can go offense, defense, or both with this one. Who now post-deadline has the best opportunity to prove themselves or make a statement the rest of the way? Oh, boy. Um, I, I think the, you know, probably the obvious answer is 28, I think. Jonathan Taylor is a guy that this was around the time, based on where he started the year on Pup, this is right around the time. It has nothing to do with the trade deadline because he was never a, you know, an option on that trading, trading front. But him just kind of continuing to gain speed and really work his way up, I think that is the guy on offense that I look at is this is where you're really going to start to see that uptick on his production, his usage. I think Jonathan Taylor, somebody watch. But then a couple other guys. I mean, you look defensively, Julian Blackman and Kenny Moore, both going into contract years, have played very, very well. I think when you look at the issues the secondary has had, it's going to take some guys to kind of step up. So I wouldn't be shocked. I know those are a couple guys and names that were mentioned because they are expiring contracts. You aren't exactly sure what they their role looks like for the future. But I'm expecting those guys to have really big ends of the season. We've seen what their impact has been to this point, but I, I continue to see them kind of growing into that role. What would you say, Casey, about the rookie corners, what you've seen them do well, what you've seen them struggle with? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question because I think that's what we all anticipated happening. We thought it's rookie corners. You're going to kind of trial by air. You're going to just throw them into the fire and you're going to take the wins. You're going to take the losses. And we've definitely seen that losses. But ultimately, when you look at what these rookies have done, it really hasn't been the rookies. I think that when Juju Brintz has been in there, he has shown a lot of real promise that this could be a guy over the next handful of years that you can really base that defense around. And then Jalen Jones, who... He's been thrust in the last couple of games, and really he's done a really good job from having limited experience inside the defense to start the year. He was mainly just looked at as a special team guy. It's kind of how he made the roster. Um, so he, he's been a guy that's really flashed, I think, the last couple of weeks, especially when you lose a Juju Brents, and then we saw what happened to Dallas Flowers a couple of weeks back. So it's going to be a lot of trial by error. Now there's, there's another rookie corner on this team in Amir Speed who the Colts claimed a couple of weeks ago from New England. We haven't really seen him implemented into the defense. I'm assuming that either this week – 
or next week you're going to really start to see a little bit more of him outside of what you've seen out of Tony Brown and Daryl Baker Jr. But it's definitely a young group that is really, you know, they're taking their lumps for sure. But I think what you've seen from just the rookie standpoint I think you've seen a lot of promise that you can really look at in a positive way going forward. Casey, I'm simulating out a couple weeks with this question, but I thought about it and discussed it a bit yesterday. Grover Stewart is still in the middle of that six games suspension for violating the NFL's performance-enhancing substance policy. He's set to be back on December 10th, so still a couple of weeks away. Where can the defensive line either improve or, or I guess who along the trenches has the most to grow in that time? And how will that affect or or what type of opportunity will be left when Stewart returns for the final three or four games of the season? Yeah, I mean, to answer the the back end of that question, when Stewart returns, it's back to, you know, what you saw out of Grover Stewart up to this point. I mean, Grover Stewart, he may not get national attention, but I know that locally here we know how important – Grover Stewart is, and I think every defense, every offensive coordinator that is, you know, looking at tape against this Colts front, they understand how important Grover Stewart is. So definitely, when he comes back, you'll you'll see, you know, definitely, especially in the run game, you'll really see his impact felt there. But I think right now, one of the big injuries that you know really got not swept under the rug, but. Grover Stewart gets suspended. Eric Johnson gets a little bit of an elevated role, and then he gets hurt. So you really, you, you really start to mess with that depth when you start looking at all these guys you're having to step up. I mean, we saw McTelvin Aguim elevated last week, a guy who hasn't played at all really in this Colts defense. So you got Atatamawada Barre, who's going to have to step in, Taven Bryan. So it's it's been a lot of guys that are going to have to really take that next step because – the rushing game has been a big problem over the last couple of weeks, and I know that you don't want to make excuses. Grover Stewart is one of the best run guys, especially at that defensive tackle spot in all of the league. So it's a big loss, but there's going to have to be some guys stepping up. Now, we saw Eric Johnson last week did practice towards the end of the week, wasn't active on Sunday. We'll, we had a, just a walkthrough today, so we don't really know as far as the injury report's going to be. It's going to be kind of simulated. So we'll see really where Eric Johnson is tomorrow. But if you can get him back, that definitely helps in that depth. But it's definitely going to be an area that's going to be tested. Casey Vallier joining us here from Colts Radio. It's crazy, Casey. You look at this weekend's matchup against Adam Thielen, Panthers wide receiver. He's been really good this season where he's seventh really in catches. He's 12th in receiving yards. And it's like, whoa, where is this coming from with the rookie quarterback? And he didn't put up big numbers last year with Kirk Cousins. What do you think about his matchup against Kenny Moore this weekend? It's funny you mention that because, you know, we all live in a fantasy world or fantasy football world. And Adam Thielen was a guy I know in my fantasy leagues who was like 12th, 13th round. You know, taken and it was like, oh yeah, I forgot he went to he went to Carolina. He's no longer in Minnesota. What's that going to look like? Is he like their third? You know, he's towards the end of his career. He's probably just going to get a couple catches here and there. And he's looked like a bona fide number one. I mean, he's been a big surprise. I know that you know when you talk fantasy wise, people that have Adam Thielen, they got a lot of uh, you know good production out of a late pick for sure. Um, he, he looks like he did a couple years ago in Minnesota. I mean, there were years where you could rely on Adam Thielen to have close to 100 catches, over a thousand yards, and a handful of touchdowns. And that looks to be the pace that he's on right now. Now, a part of it, I'm not exactly, I'm not shocked because of you get a veteran guy in there who is just comfortable in, you know, 
doing what the offense needs him to do, and you have a young quarterback, you find that security blanket, and clearly Adam Thielen has been that. But also, if you look around you know, the rest of their options, right now they are struggling as far as offensive playmakers go. So Adam Thielen has been a bright spot in what has been kind of a lackluster team. And, I mean, you talk about Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore has been so good all year, and I'm sure that is going to be one, one item to watch this you know, this Sunday is how Kenny can do against easily one of the top offensive weapons for Carolina. And I, I mean, honestly, I mean, you talk about seventh in the in the league in, in receptions. I mean, Adam Thielen looks like he's turned back the clock a little bit. Casey, I know I'd be asking this just for your opinion and not in your title with the Colts Radio Network. But do you think, from what you've seen and where this offense is headed, do you think this is the week where the fifty-fifty or sixty-forty? snap count distributions between JT and Zach Moss are gone. And if you do think that, where do you think that number lies? Is he back too close to a workhorse form, or are we still looking at a by-committee approach? You know, that's a really good question, Jimmy, because a part of me has to say you got to look at where they're ranked right now. You know, you talk about Adam Thielen being seventh in the league in reception. Zach Moss is second in the league in rushing. So Zach Moss has earned his spot inside the framework of this offense for sure. But at the end of the day, Jonathan Taylor is Jonathan Taylor, and I think we have seen glimpses. I think last week we really saw, especially in that first half, Jonathan Taylor looked to be, if he wasn't all the way back, he was pretty darn close. So I'm anticipating it, continuing to see it ramping up. But when you put a percentage on it, I think you're still going to see a handful of carries from 21 just because he has been really, really good. I mean, he averaged six yards a carry last week. I mean, he he is essentially going out there and getting you 50 to 70 rushing yards every single game and even doing that with Jonathan Taylor being back in the offense. So I'm anxious to see what that split looks like. I would anticipate, though, seeing Jonathan Taylor continue to be elevated and getting more and more of that workload. But I don't know necessarily if it means you're going to see Jonathan Taylor getting 25 to 30 carries just because Zach Moss, I think, is deserving of getting a handful. Well, Casey, you do an amazing job. You more than live up to your just red carpet you know, uh, titles well, I over there. That, guys. Hey, you know, I, I tell people I hand out my business card. If you guys would like to come along and just be my hype men in the background, yeah. too, hey, I'll take it. Oh, we can absolutely do that. We'll wear big <laughs> clocks and everything around our necks, man. It's all good. Oh, we got it. you, Casey. Yeah. Hey, man, thanks for the time, bud. Have a good rest of the day. We'll catch you soon, Casey. Thanks, guys. Always appreciate it. There you go. There he is, Casey Valier, radio coordinator and in-game studio host for Colts Radio. Tell me that's not a title. It's an awesome title. I'm jealous of it. I, I wish I could put that on the business card. It's it's a it's a great title, and as you mentioned, you put it very nicely. He more than lives up to that, no doubt. Yeah, like, think about us. On-air host. <laughs> that's it. That's what we got. Babysitter sometimes, depending on who's <laughs> in with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what would the title be when I'm around here, Jimmy, huh? Jimmy, uh, um, I, I, you I would, would say, back yourself I, into a corner. I would say friend. confidant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. You do a very good job, Jimmy. Um, <laughs> working with different styles, I'll put it that way. Right? <laughs> I appreciate that. Now, versatile now I'm, is the word no, that goes on there. Yep. A Swiss Army knife, indeed. That's right. Now, I'm known every now and then as uh, bringing up something that might be a little critical in nature. 
Would you say that's accurate, Jimmy? Yes, I would say so. Okay, you would. That was a quick yes, by the way. It's an emphatic yes. How about our guy Eddie Garrison, huh? E.G. with some things to say about old C.B. Chris Ballard. I got a tweet here, and I just told you guys off air. Uh, I got a, a tweet from Nick Cage is amazing. <laughs> and the tweet says, "And the other nightmare is that Chris Ballard stays as GM. He's terrible." And uh, I just said to you guys, I'm like, does anybody like Chris Ballard around here? And uh, Eddie said that's a good question and then said he had a bit of a hit piece on Chris Ballard. I'm curious about this. What did you have to say there, Eddie? So I wrote about, you know, the defense struggles as of late for the Colts. Like their defense has given up 30 points a game the last 15 games dating back to their win against the Raiders last season. So it's almost a full 16-game, 17-game season's worth, and they're giving up 30.2 a game, and I bogged it down even more. They're giving up 26, I think it was, and some whatever, 26.3 points a game or something like that at home at Lucas Oil Stadium. Those are two Mm -hmm. numbers that are just absolutely atrocious, and I don't think we talk enough about how the defense has absolutely been uh, putrid. In the last month and a half, especially, three straight games of 30-plus given up. It's just absolutely ridiculous, and everyone wants to point focus on like the cornerbacks and, oh, hey, Jonathan Taylor needs to get the majority of the workload. Like, No, like the biggest problem right now that we don't talk about enough is the problem up front defensively. You have so much invested in Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner, and you have so much invested in draft capital when it comes to uh, Pay, Dio Adangbo. You add in Samson Ebukam, who they signed in the offseason. They have nine sacks in the last six games, and they just cannot affect the quarterback's passing uh, timing or anything, and it just puts their defensive backs in a lot of difficult situations to put in. Gus Bradley can't call blitzes because their cornerbacks can't defend man-on-man long enough for the cornerbacks to get home in a blitz. And to me, this all just stems from the inability of Chris Ballard to properly draft and properly sign adequate talent uh, of a to get a consistent pass rush to just affect the quarterback. Hmm. I'll co-sign on that with Eddie. I will say Gus Bradley was able to against Cleveland a number of times a game they probably shouldn't have lost. And they gave, look what they gave up. They gave up 39 points. I'm not going to say it was a masterful performance on defense, but you did see more pressure and hurrying up of Cleveland. They were able to get home a number of times on blitzes there. But in terms of the what Eddie's talking about up front, there is no difference maker currently up front for the Colts that's able to make teams worry about anybody other than DeForest Buckner. And when that's when you only have one star piece up front, when your team is basically built around getting to the quarterback and not needing your corners to defend for super long periods of time, yeah, that's a serious issue. That's kind of why, Brian, even though, again, it's different timelines, I get it, but sometimes teams make trades or make decisions to help up a key position of need, even if it's not their window to win right now. And at that point, you're getting a piece that is a consistent commodity, that's why of Chase Young, of Montez Sweat, I'm a little disappointed that the Colts weren't active on that front along the trenches. And one of the reasons they probably weren't active outside of what you and I talked about earlier, which is maybe they don't think it's their time to strike, which is fine. I would ask, well, when is the time? But the back half to that is they still believe in Quiddy Pay. They still believe in what they're doing philosophically, defensively with Sam Zebucom. They, they still believe in what they can do with Dio Dengbo, and there's been nothing to show for that in terms of real substance 
this season to where making a move yesterday probably would have been a welcome sight for Colts fans. And one other thing I want to add into this, something that I did not include in my piece on 1075thefan.com was <laughs> this season the Colts have turned the ball over, whether that's on a turnover on downs, interception, fumble, missed field goal, blocked field goal, 22 times. And out of those 22 times, the opposing team has either scored or attempted to kick a field goal 13 of those 22 times. So the, Is even that good? On, no. Okay. Quick change. They just <laughs> cannot generate enough stops or even force a turnover, uh, even though the offense may put them in a bad spot. They just can't stop the other team from going down and scoring on quick change, and it's just, it's just maddening. Mm. I, look, I think that if you look at the entire tenure, okay, if you look at this season specifically with Chris Ballard and you're, you're evaluating things – it's just it's tough when you're on your backup quarterback. To be clear, you know I mean? it's not rooted in in that. I, I know it's a good point for perspective right. for Colts fans, but like we're we're on year seven. There was a tweet out after the game of Chris Bowers walking around upset and unhappy down. Like at some point, you got to look in the mirror and think to yourself, okay, I've had seven years to try to build key playmaking positions on either side of the ball. Where have I done that well? He's done it well in the linebacker room. Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed were late round selections that have panned into yeah. all pro caliber pieces. Like they, they are, they are high level linebackers up front. Though that is where their team is built most to win, to take pressure off the corners. And Quiddy Pay, while he's looked better, and that's because the bar was where it was the last couple of years, he's looked better. Has been able to stay healthy. It hasn't been adequate to the point that, and this is probably better for next segment or a larger segment, Brian. I posed this on Monday. At what point, if you're Jim Irsay, do you look at the last seven years and say, if Anthony Richardson is the guy, or even if he isn't, but let's say that he is, do you trust Chris Ballard to build around him? And and my answer right now is no. Well, we need to cut that up because I could use that for promotional uh, activities. My answer is no. <laughs> it's like it's, can we do intro for a show or something? I don't know. But uh, we'll expand on this because if you look at the roster and you go player by player, there's more talent on the roster than you might think, right? Uh, but the declaring issue is you haven't figured out the most important position. And that has the biggest ripple effect than any other position on the roster. So we'll expand on this a little bit, right? Chris Ballard, public enemy number one, (laughs) seemingly, in Indianapolis. Is that correct? Or is that a little bit too much blame? Uh, We'll get into that a little bit more. I'm Brian No in for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. It's Quarry and Company here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. Yeah, so Chris Ballard here. Um, Eddie Garrison uh, had some critical words for him yesterday characterized it as a hit piece, (laughs) which I love. Uh, But if we're looking at the tenure and also specifically this year, I think we're all on the same page, right? We we can't go too hard in on the guy when they're on their backup quarterback. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Just as starters. These are not assessments based on 
solely what's happened this year. That's fair. Because if you look around the roster, listen, we talk about this all the time is look at the running back position and there's a reason why they don't get huge money and the impact is only so much and right, right. the shelf life and all that. Jonathan Taylor has been a home run second round selection, but he's a running back. You know, they just haven't been able to figure out the quarterback position. And that's been the biggest deal there. And I think I'm not telling you this guy walks on GM water, but I am telling you because he hasn't gotten the quarterback position figured out. And it's pending right now with Anthony Richardson. But up until this point, he hasn't figured it out post luck. Right. That has such a, an impact on how you perceive the rest of the talent evaluations. Where it's kind of hard to play the if game. I don't know exactly how to say it the right way. Sure. If he hit on a quarterback or if you had a legitimate quarterback in there, you're viewing the rest of the roster much differently. And I don't know... It's not to say, hey, give him grace because he hasn't figured out the QB position. I'm just saying, don't take that criticism that's valid. Sure. He hasn't been able to figure out the QB position and then turn it into he hasn't been able to figure out the roster. You know what I mean? Because sure. that's not accurate. There is a level at times. And again, we, we've had Chris in studio before, not on this show, but we've had him on studio in the past. And by all counts, very nice guy. Like, I'm not attacking him the person. The only attack I'll make there, which Jake referenced earlier, and I agree with him on that, there's times where when he's handling the media and he does it very eloquently, it comes off as he has all the answers and he's the smartest mm-hmm. guy in the room. Mm-hmm. It felt that way about cornerback. It's felt that way about wide receiver at times. It almost certainly feels that way about what they're doing at edge rush and along the trenches of that defense. For me, it goes back to... There was a time, and and I'm not going to relive everything for Colts fans because we've done this in the past, but there was a grace period that was given, right or not, to Chris Ballard post-Andrew Luck. And -hmm. the question that needs to be had, and for some Colts fans, it passed long ago, when is that no longer a valid excuse? For me, it was last year, and I think that was probably even too much because you mentioned trying to get the quarterback position right, Brian, in some markets, in some organizations, with the what are they batting now standpoint of what they've done at quarterback, mm-hmm. take Anthony Richardson off the board, they've yet to hit on a real solution. Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, like like mm-hmm. they have tried year after year to do the band-aid thing while also trying to build around the roster and keep them into a contention window during that process. Then the wheels fully fall off with Matt Ryan a year ago, and now it's clear, okay, they're in a rebuild whether they want to admit it or not. Mm -hmm. Generally, when you draft a quarterback, there is a built-in cushion that's there. And I said this before the season started, acknowledging, sure, that cushion is there, but should it really be the traditional two- to three-year window that Shane Steichen will likely be allowed for Chris Ballard when he's been here this long and is yet to really have true substance to show for it. And if the answer is yes, then you have to dive deeper at what he's done over these seven years and look at key skill positions and say to yourself, has he addressed it well? Has he found a real answer in the pass rushing game outside of DeForest Buckner? Has he found a true answer at corner? What is happening in that wide receiver room? They have a tight end by committee with five dudes who might not make like the third string depth chart of some teams in the league. Like, there are mysteries all along this roster, 
And the more you look around frustrated, the more you have to look internally and say, is it me? Well, I think this. I think that the quarterback position is a perception changer. Agreed. It's a, it's it a fixes everything. Shifter. It fixes everything. Yes, yes. Because that's the deal is they don't have it figured out right now. At least Anthony Richardson is hurt for the year, right. so we don't know. Correct. Right. They, they, they think right. they do. Like they, if you they were to hope ask they them, do. Yeah. If you were to ask them, yes, they hope. Yeah. But I think but they also know. think that they do. But we yes, don't know. you're right. The general public, we have no idea. We're not sure yet. It's pending. We can't say he's a bona fide stud after four games. We can't say he's a bona fide dud after four games. It's pending. Right. It's rendering. It's buffering. Sure. That's what's happening with Anthony Richardson. Yes. But because they don't have that position solidified. You're looking at it from your... Most people are looking at it from your point of view. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying there are two very different ways to look at Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts. So they don't have the QB position figured out. So it's like, well, what are you doing at edge rusher? What are you doing at corner? What are you doing here? What are you doing there? Right? That's the way it changed. Now, all of a sudden, if Anthony Richardson is the real deal or they had the real deal, right? He made a move and... They've got their guy, and he's legitimate top half quarterback. Now, all of a sudden, it changes what you're focused on, and you turn it into, man, where did he find this diamond in the rough, Zaire Franklin in the seventh round, right? It turns into that. You've got Shaq Leonard. EJ Speed is a fifth rounder. You're finding these guys that are starters, right? But because they don't have the quarterback, it turns into, what about this? Why haven't you addressed that? What's the deal with this? And you're just glossing over the wins that are there, but it's the most glaring loss affects how you look at the rest of the uh, rest of the roster there without having that franchise quarterback yet. Yeah, you're, you're correct on that. A lot of teams give passes to other areas as long as they have the most important position figured out. The the cautionary tale here, though, for the Colts and why I think it's a very pertinent discussion that even if Anthony Richardson was upright right now should still be happening. I suppose there's a couple areas of where it's a catch-22. Because as Eddie mentioned, well, no, Brian, I'll, I'll, I will go with your analysis of Anthony Richardson here. Eddie, you said what, 22 turnovers? They have either turned the ball over on downs, missed a field goal, or had a field goal blocked, fumble, interception, 22, 23 times. Brian, for the sake of the discussion, do mm-hmm. you think the number, the way that Minshew has struggled, he's turned it over nine times at least in the last three games. I could have missed one or two from nine last week. Correct. It's all nine is right. Do you think that number is any higher or lower if Anthony Richardson is the starting quarterback right now? Well, I think just because he's a rookie. Right, I know, but I just yeah. for the, just for the sake of it, I'm not I'm not trapping you. I'm I'm genuinely curious because Sounds it like matters a bear to trap. the point. I promise I, I, it's not. I swear there are landmines all around me. I'm being very I delicate. I promise I'm, it's uh, not. I'm checking the sand with my big toe right now. No, um, I think it would be comparable. Okay. Maybe slightly more. Okay. Because he's a rookie, but comparable. Because if that number is the same, or even if it's a little bit more, you are still worried. If he looks good, if he looks good, it's like, okay, we have that. I see the promise there. If that's your view as a Colts personnel member or as a Colts fan, if that's your view, then it's also natural to look around the rest of the roster and say, well, hey, we're giving up like 30 points a game in our last four or five. What's going on with this defense? Why are they 26th or worse in almost every passing category around the league? What is the problem there? Is it Gus Bradley? Is it personnel? Is it injuries? Is it a combination Mm -hmm. of all three? And why it's a cautionary tale for me is maybe this is an overstated opinion. I don't know. 
But in the NFL, you get a handful of opportunities to, in theory, be in the conversation to chase Lombardi Trophy. And if you have the young, talented quarterback, and you know you have it, I don't know if the Colts do, but you know you have it, there is a window that closes that doesn't open again, which is the window to contend on a rookie quarterback's contract. It gets harder once you have to give out that big payday. You can still do it. Look at the Bills. Look at the Chiefs. Look at the Bengals. Right. It, it is still possible, but the window and margin for error at every other position becomes that much tighter. And the reason I feel like in year seven, it is pertinent to have this conversation is if you're wrong about Ballard, but you're right about Richardson, you're wasting a mini window of team building and it will be that much harder for whoever his successor is. Well, that's the funny thing, man, is we bring up your Chiefs, you know? Sure. Is Think about Brett Veach. If they don't have Mahomes, you're looking at the holes in their roster sure. similarly to how Colts fans view the Colts roster. Correct. And I, that's can, the, I can put on the consistency cap here because I'm I'm not happy. Like, the gloss has faded a little bit. I'm I'm thrilled, because I'm not a Colts fan, but I am a Chiefs fan. Yeah. I'm thrilled that Brett Veach found Mahomes. By all accounts, he was one of the key cogs in finding him, but the wide receiver room is scary, Dude, and they, they didn't they do anything at the deadline. Like they, they, have, they have a bunch of dudes. Rasheed Rice looks nice. He's a he rookie. He looks okay Everything. until he, he dropped a wide uh, right, open correct, pass against correct. the Broncos yes. last week. <laughs> I, correct. Hair out, not just because there was money on the line. Also, yeah. as a fan, hair yeah. was out for certain. Sky Moore drops an open touchdown pass in that game. Like uh, They have a bunch of dudes. Yeah. So I, I can sit here, at least in terms of my fanhood and the team I cover, I'll still be consistent about it. Because you're right, Beat gets a pass because of Mahomes, but... It shouldn't make him immune to criticism at other areas that are clearly lacking on that right. roster. The same is true with Ballard. Well, that's the thing. Yes, Jawan Taylor, that has not worked no, out no. for the Chiefs. Mm-mm. But he's got Mahomes. Yes. So it's all good. Correct. Yes. <laughs> like he's got he's got the magic elixir right there. And that's the opposite. And he has two rings now. on the fingers to show for it. That's as right. Well. That's the opposite of what the Colts have right now. Sure. You know, Gardner Minshew, by the way. As a backup guy, you start looking around the league at backup quarterbacks. The Colts are in a better position than a lot of teams. Look at P.J. Walker with the Browns. He's got one touchdown, five picks. How's that working out without Deshaun Watson upright? And I'll tip the cap to Ballard for that because a year ago and two years prior to that, that wasn't the case. Quarterback depth for them was not a thing because they felt like they had the Band-Aid with their veteran QB. This year, not only did they take the rookie quarterback, they went out and got a veteran that was strictly to be their backup. They addressed that. I I tip the cap for that. I do. Yeah, I just think that maybe if you went position by position, player by player, and said, okay, uh, Josh Downs, good rookie receiver, right? Yes. Let's look at other slot receivers. Let's look at other rookies. Like That's a pretty good draft pick. You could do that with a lot of Colts players and say, hey, uh, Zaire Franklin at the seventh round at that stage and the what they've gotten out of that guy in terms of production, that's a win. No doubt. EJ like, Speed, a fifth wins. round pick. Yes, yeah. there are wins. I, I, uh, Here's the problem that I personally have. Okay. Quiddy Pay. Okay. A first round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyquan Lewis, a second round pick. Dio Adengbo, a second round pick. Yeah. Samson Ebicom, a signing that you made in the free agency. And then you have Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner. You're so reliant up front 
on your 2D tackles to generate pressure to help your edge guys. It should be the other way around. He hasn't been able to hit on key positions that matter the most. He didn't take a, a Bernard Ryman until he absolutely needed to when they tried to roll out. I can't even remember who the guy's name was from two seasons ago. That was utterly atrocious. And then Pay hasn't developed into a pass rusher. Nobody has been able to sign besides, I guess you could say, uh, who was it last year that's now in Chicago? Again, Ngakwe, that's the only true pass rush they've had in the Ballard regime. Like I can't name of another guy who the Colts have been able to rely on to get to the quarterback, and there's nobody on defense in that secondary that is there in man-to-man coverage all the time other than Kenny Moore. It being first well, and second round picks is the more damning part of that right. to me because it's great that he's made up for it hitting on five and sevens, but I'm with Brian. Josh Downs, I think he's going to be a great selection. Alec Pierce was not drafted to be a third option in a Bingo. bad offense. Like it, 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 There's too many ebbs and flows to a point that what does it take to be a general manager in this league? Is 50% or 45%, depending on where you're going, solid? Or should you be hitting on the higher picks just as often as you are taking swings and finding diamonds in the rough in the fifth and sixth round? Well, I hear you. Um, and Eddie, the point that you made about you know defensive tackles versus defensive ends, basically. I hear you. There's a reason why edge rushers are valued more. They're more valuable. They make a bigger impact. That's why it's quarterback, edge rusher, corner, wide receiver, you know, like left tackle. We get all of sure. that. But I would I'd point to the Lions. Like, hear me on this. The Lions got a bunch of grief for their top draft picks, and they showed it on Monday night against the Raiders, and they all were balling out. <laughs> like They're like, you went and got a running back in the first round. You got a tight end in the second round. You got a middle linebacker, another first-round pick, and you got like a slot slash safety. Uh, those are your top four picks in the first and second rounds. And most people are like, what are you doing? You didn't take a premium position at all. All those guys are making impacts. Uh, and Jameer Gibbs went crazy against the Raiders. Sam Laporta, that's a win. They they got rid of TJ Hawkinson. They didn't pay him a huge amount of money. They went and got a, a rookie tight end that's producing. So the point is, I'm not disagreeing with you completely, Eddie, where the Colts have D-tackles instead of D-ends. And that's not ideal. That's not what you would want. But there are different ways to win. And while I would like to see the Colts edge rushers be a lot better, it's a good thing to have good D tackles. And you can win doing things differently instead of, hey, we're going to get the, uh, I don't know, the sixth best defensive end, or we could get the second best defensive tackle. That's something that the Patriots have done pretty well on over the years is finding value somehow, some way. And that might mean not targeting a quote unquote premium position. It's getting better value at a non-premium position. It can work like that also. But comparatively speaking to like the Patriots there, Bill Belichick is known for his different defensive schemes and exotic looks and confusing looks. When I look at the Colts, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get zone coverage and you know you're not going to get any blitzes. So to me, that's something that you don't have to worry about. And if you're not doing something different defensively in schematics, 
to me, that speaks more largely of what you have to work with than what sometimes is the defensive coordinator. He's like, look, I'm dealt the card or with the cards that I am, and if I don't feel like I can generate pressure with the guys that I have plus blitzing, then I'm just going to keep playing zone coverage and make teams just ch- uh, work their way down the field slowly and methodically versus trying to risk it and lose in the way that they did against the Raiders, or not the Raiders, but the Saints, where Rashid Shahid just cooks Tony Brown for oh, the seventh man. time in the game. Yeah. Are we taking the over on Bryce Young now that you bring this up? (laughs) We can't give away Friday's show just yet, but but we'll see. (laughs) And by the way, the two left tackles I couldn't think of, Sam Tevy and Matt Pryor. So, yeah. Hey, man, you're never going to, you know, bat a thousand when you're putting together a roster. And if he's wrong on Richardson, it won't matter. It's a moot point anyway. Like whether the Colts Colts are in agreement on Ballard being on a hot seat or having a three-year cushion, if they're wrong on Richardson, it's it's inexplicable and malpractice to retain him at that point because his selection. Well, it's a wrap at that point. There's no doubt. But that's the ultimate trump card is – you got to figure out the quarterback position. Sure. We all know that. <laughs> but I just, I wouldn't get into the business of there are no wins. You know, roster-wise, roster construction-wise. Sure. There are no wins because there's been the ultimate loss, which is not figuring out the QB post-loss. Let me phrase it differently then. There's not enough wins in the first two rounds. That is enough to satisfy me. There are some across the roster, but there's not enough with rounds one and two for me to feel confident in what it would take to team build around a potential franchise quarterback if he is that in Anthony Richardson. I mean, hey, that's how you feel. That's how you feel. I look at JT. I look at Shaq. You know, uh, you're going to miss on first and second rounders. That's going to happen. And if you find value later in the draft, like what does it matter that the Niners missed on their first round pick when they hit on Brock Purdy in the seventh round? You know what I mean? We like we could play the first second round game all day. It's just are you finding value somewhere? And if you're finding enough later in the draft, well, I look at that as a wash. Some people will look at that and be like, "What the hell? You're messing up these premium picks." I'm like, I don't even care if you find enough value elsewhere. That's the question, though. Is Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed enough to offset what Eddie's brought up about edge rush, what I've brought up about wide receiver, and I don't think it is. I think it's good hits, but it's not enough to me. If I was the Colts fan, and Eddie is the Colts fan in the room, (laughs) if it's not enough to satisfy that, then it's it's like at at some point, where is the wide receiver one? Where is the tight end one? Where is a key defensive edge rusher that can take a little bit of pressure off DeForest Buckner? Where is somebody that can force a turnover? Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed, they make tackles in the open field. Shaq Leonard used to Shaq be Shaq Leonard used to be Peanut Tillman yeah. back there. Used yeah. to be, but obviously he's either not there or he's not that player anymore. And he's seen snaps yeah. go, I mean, maybe not as much and being lately. being so reliant on your, yeah. your off-ball linebacker to be the guy who's generating turnovers just isn't the scheme of which that you can use to win. There's real frustration, whether or not we're right or wrong on that. There's real frustration in the fan base, and the Colts as an organization might have lost the plot on that. I don't know. I would just like to point out, I have been so positive, so positive. Incredibly so. Yes. I would just like that to be remembered the next time Negative No shows up. (laughs) Probably in what, two segments, would you say? Maybe. (laughs) It might be coming up right around the corner. No, I've got more positive cheer. There is a, a local guy who might be at the top of the stat sheet at the end of the season. Some details to come. I'm Brian No in for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. It's Query and Company here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. How about this? A ripple effect with the James Harden trade. So the beard gets his wish. I'm sure there are... A lot of people around the league that love that. <laughs> Harden saying, I want to go to the Clippers and the Clippers only. And he ends up on the Clippers. And uh, there's a ripple effect here where there are some that are saying, well, Russell Westbrook, he can't play off the ball. We saw that with the Lakers. So Westbrook's probably going to have the ball a little bit more often. Harden, who led the league in assists last season, is going to take a little bit of a step back. That might open the door. For Halliburton to lead the league in assists, Jimmy, what do you think about this? I'm all on board. He's one of the most electric players, particularly at that position in the NBA. He's a budding superstar. I I, I don't know if I can get that bet on DraftKings, but let's go. I'm down. I think you can. And I think it's just a little bit more than even money. Probably like plus 125. He's He might be the favorite to lead the league in assists this season now that uh, Harden's a part of the uh, Clippers there. It is crazy, too, Jimmy. We'll circle back to Halliburton, but it was just, oh, Harden, he's a shell of himself. The games in the playoffs against the Celtics, he had two studly games, over 40 points, and the games they lost, he was a wreck. And it was an offseason of, ah, Harden, the beard, he's over the hill. And then you see the trade compensation, and it's like, wow. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It shows you in terms of a trade asset, not as over the hill as the talking points would lead you to believe, right? And also, in a league that appeared to, for a second there, maybe shifting towards players aren't going to get what they want all the time. Like you're, right. you're not going to be able to pick your destiny. You could say whatever you want about James Harden, whether you like him as a player or not. And yes, this is both a good thing and a bad thing about him. Will he be remembered as one of the most often trade demanders in NBA history? Absolutely. But he always got where he wanted to go. Yeah. Every single time, despite everybody saying, oh, there's no way he's going to the Clippers. Oh, there's no way he's going to be in the 76. Every single time, he handpicked his destination and he wound up there. I don't know if you saw Westbrook and Harden greeting each other in the locker room. I with did Harden not. walking I in as the new Clipper. It's kind of like how a cat would greet you. That's what Westbrook <laughs> did to Harden was like, oh, hey. <laughs> everything good <laughs> beard <laughs> it was not like oh man it's been so long welcome it was not like that there weren't heavy all. bro hugs or, no. or champagne popping nothing like no, that no nothing no. like that no. but no. he fetches Harden does and this there are more players involved but outside of the players a 2028 unprotected first round pick from the Clippers, who knows where the Clippers are in 2028? That could be valuable. You get a pick swap with the Clippers in 29, and you get a first-round pick from the Thunder. I mean, that's that could be a lot more than nothing. That could be a whole lot of something right there. But Halliburton, that'd be great if he leads the league in assists. The Pacers' offense is fun to watch. They got a lot of firepower, Jim. They're a joy to watch. Again, my bar for them is probably a little higher than most. I would like them to be a six-seater better this year, but ultimately if they make the playoffs or make the play-in, I'm going to be excited about that. But yeah, they they are electric to watch. It's still too early for me to fully say whether or not 
the defense is is improved from a year ago. I mean, you think inherently adding Bruce Brown is going to do that, but my jury's still out there. But from an offensive standpoint, if you are out of market for some reason, or maybe you're a Pacers fan that listens to this show, a former Indiana resident that like listens to the show regularly or listens to the podcast, they're a league pass team. Like if you have NBA league pass and you're not watching in the state of Indiana, they should be go-to entertainment for you on a nightly basis. They're By the fun. way, uh, real fast, more go-to entertainment, huh? More bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Is it Pacers league pass or is it Will the Thrill Levis? Um, Pacers league pass. Uh, okay, okay. Quick answer there. Some might beg to differ after four touchdown passes in his hey, debut. Hey, right? I mean, uh, there's there's, there's a possibility that maybe people could feel that way, Brian. There's a possibility for sure. All right, coming up next, Luke Easterling. He covers the NFL for Athlon Sports. I have a feeling Luke will answer that question correctly. Huh? Jim, you failed miserably. I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. Uh, but we'll talk some NFL with Luke right around the corner. I'm Brian No in for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. It's Quarian Company here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No in for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. Here on The Fan, want to welcome in Luke Easterling. Covers the NFL for Athlon Sports. You know, Luke, do you have anything, uh, any crazy uh, either Halloween or NFL trade deadline traditions over there, huh? Uh, let's see. Halloween traditions. I don't know. We, we love Halloween in my house. So, we, I mean, we go all out. We have decorations and Christmas Halloween lights instead of Christmas lights for a while. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we get pretty into it around here, but uh, trade deadline, uh, uh, stay alive, stay sane is usually my uh, <laughs> my attempted tradition for the for the trade deadline. I don't know if I ever succeed in that. Uh, no. If I have, I'm on like my eighth life at this point. But uh, but no, it's, it's fun, it's entertaining, um, and at the end of the day, I mean, we get paid to talk about this and write about this, right? So it's it's uh, it's, not, it's not a not a terrible gig. You know, we'll get to the the football stuff, but I'm strangely fascinated. I need uh, two answers here, Luke. The color of the lights that you go with around the house and okay. the candy that you were giving out if you're all in on Halloween. Okay, so lights are, are all over the place. We've got we've got green, orange, purple alternating all around. Like we, we use the same like nails and setup that we do for Christmas. We just hang Halloween lights instead. Uh, so they're all the different Halloween colors all the way around the house. So we've got an inflatable T Rex out there. We've got some inflatable pumpkins. Uh, it's pretty fun. Pretty nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then candy, candy, you gotta be you gotta be the house that gives out like full handfuls and not like here pick one. Uh, and you gotta go with you gotta go with, with full size candy bars. You gotta you gotta let everybody know on your street I'm the house that the kids are gonna go home and be like, Man, those those people are awesome. <laughs> and what did you go with? Like Snickers, three musketeers, what was it this year? Variety. Yeah, I mean, we, we obviously, the, the bags that you get, the smaller ones, they come in, like, themes, right? You got the, uh, it's like those memes where you have all the different tables and which one do you want to sit at with all the different, like, characters from a show or whatever. That's what they do with the candy bags, right? You got the you got the one table where you got three musketeers and stickers. It's, it's tough to find the ones with the Milky Way Midnights. If you like dark chocolate and you find one with the Milky Way Midnights, you end up just picking all those out of there because they're hard to find. Um, but we, yeah, we went all over the place with that. You gotta, you gotta have that. You gotta have like a, a sweet bag where you've got like Smarties and like sweet tarts and, and dots if people still eat those. Um, 
But, uh, no, I'm honestly just grateful that the kids around here, when we actually go out trick-or-treating, that they don't come in and just, like, three kids steal all the stuff out of the bowl. We actually had some left last night, which is kind of nice. <laughs> That's good, man. Uh, if we uh, shift to the trade deadline, what would you say was the best trade before the deadline, not necessarily yesterday, and the worst deal made? I think I think the best deal at the end of the day was probably San Francisco getting Chase Young, just because I think it's it's the best fit of, and I'm mostly from the 49ers side of things, is because obviously Washington in a position where if you're not going to pay him, if you're not going to pay Montez Sweat, which I thought the Montez Sweat deal was way better for Washington, uh, getting a, getting a two for him, and it didn't make as much sense for the Bears in my opinion. Um, but for the from the 49ers perspective, the Chase Young trade, it, you know, it, it addresses your biggest need, which is that they need somebody across from Nick Bosa, somebody who's going to threaten the edge and not allow teams to just slide protections to, to Bosa's side and kind of neutralize him because the rest of that defensive front just isn't getting it done. Um, and so getting getting a guy who obviously is talented enough to have been the number two pick in recent years uh, hasn't quite been the same guy since the knee injury, but but you know that that player is in there. Um, it gives you an opportunity, obviously, to re-sign him after the season, and you only gave up a three for him. Um, the last time, the last thing the 49ers spent a, a third-round pick on was a kicker, so uh, getting mm. Chase Young for one instead is a, a much better use of, uh, of those resources. Luke Easterling takes some time with us here on Query and Company. Luke, we kind of mentioned this last segment, and it goes back to both the Montez Sweat and Chase Young deals that happened yesterday. The Colts over the last couple of years especially have struggled to find consistent high-level play from their edge rushers, most notably Quiddy Pay, who at times has looked a little better this year, but it, he's had injuries in the past, and he struggled at times too, where that bar might be a little bit lower. For where the Colts are, if they would have been the team – to make a move for Montez Sweat or a team for Chase Young, or a trade for Chase Young, rather, would that have made sense for you with, with what they're trying to build now? Or do you feel that where they are currently on a trajectory standpoint, they're better off to still try to find that talent in the draft and free agency? Yeah, I, I think for where they are as a team right now, especially, and, and again, I mentioned that I didn't like that Montez Sweat trade for the Bears just because it's it's kind of similar. Like, they're in a spot where... I don't understand trading what right now would be the 35th overall pick in the draft. And it, for a guy where, where you're, you're obviously, I mean, I think Chicago is going to be rebuilding again in the off season. I feel like, mm. you know, even, even when Justin Fields gets back to full strength, I don't know that they're going to be sold on him and he's only got another year or two on his, on his rookie deal so that, you know, he's going to need an extension before you maybe even know if you want him to be your guy. Did they reset and clean house again, at least with the coaching staff or what? There's so many question marks going into this that it felt weird for a team like them. And they kind of did this last year. I'm not comparing Montez Sweat to Chase Claypool by any means, but it felt like a strange trade for the Bears to basically give up a first-round pick, 32 overall, what ended up being 32 overall to Pittsburgh for a guy who they end up, uh, you know, just he didn't make a difference at all. And then he, he gets left for pennies to, to Miami. So it, it was just a weird deal. So to bring it back to Indy, I feel like they're in a similar spot to Chicago, where it's like they have some pieces, they have some young talent in place, but clearly that's like step one of, of a rebuild that's going to take a little bit. And so to, for a team like San Francisco to go out and do it, obviously they're a contender, they need a few things, and they can you know, afford to extend that guy, and they're, they're, they're in that Super Bowl window. Indy's trying to get there. They're a few steps behind that that part in the, in the rebuild. So making a deal like that wouldn't make as much sense to me. I, I think really what it comes down to for Chris Ballard and his group is self-scouting how you 
how you evaluate those talents at that position. With a guy like Quiddy Pay is a great example. Quiddy Pay was a fantastic athlete coming out of college, but wasn't quite the football player yet. And there's a lot of projection involved. There's a lot of coaching that needs to happen. And when you have a guy who's a great, who has great athletic traits, but hasn't put it together technique-wise, you never know if that's going to happen at the next level. There's a lot of different variables that impact that. So, you know, for them, I feel like it, to keep swinging in the draft is probably the best the best way to do it now. And also, you're not giving up draft resources for a veteran guy that you're going to have to spend big money to re-sign because they have a lot of other needs. You're going to have to rebuild that defensive backfield. You're going to have to add playmakers uh, for your young quarterback. There's a lot of other things they need to do. Spending a, a day-two pick on a, on a veteran defensive end, that would have felt like, a, again, similar to what the Bears did, just kind of a strange move. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Luke Easterling with us from Athlon Sports. How about any big names around the league? Maybe Devontae Adams that you thought could have been moved, should have been moved, wasn't moved. Anybody else on the list, assuming that Devontae might be there for you? Yeah, I mean, Devontae's the easy one, and honestly, Josh Jacobs could be thrown in there as well. And, and it's it's kind of interesting to see the fact that the, the Raiders just did nothing at the deadline. And it's, I mean, I don't have any inside knowledge of this, but like just looking at the breadcrumbs, it, it felt like a situation where maybe Mark Davis looked down and was like, wait, really? We're not doing anything? We, we see the, the on-field product on national television getting embarrassed and we're not going to at least try to you know, maybe reset here and, and ma- maximize the value in some of these guys when we're clearly going nowhere. And once you see that happening, maybe it's maybe he felt it was time to clean house. I don't know if that's the case, but that's sure what it looked like to me is that, oh, we're not going to do anything at the deadline. No, nah, maybe you guys aren't, aren't the ones to, to, to oversee the next phase then. But the, the one guy that stands out to me outside of that was Derrick Henry. Yeah. You know, I, the, the Titans – not being willing to let him walk when you've got you just invested a, a pretty early pick in a guy in Ty J Spears who's shown a, a lot in, in very limited work as the backup, and you're obviously a team who again similar to Indy in that maybe we have our you know Will Levis has one game to look at I think Indy's a lot more sure right now at this point of, of Anthony Richardson even at the injury than than Will Levis in, in Tennessee but Tennessee is a team that clearly needs to overhaul their roster, clearly needs to rebuild and go in with as many assets as possible. And, and an aging, expensive running back in a contract year, why they wouldn't have, have let him go for a mid-round pick or maybe even something later just to get something, I, I that one didn't make a, lo- a whole lot of sense to me at all. Luke Easterling of Athlon Sports, nice enough to take some time with us here on Query and Company. Luke, our producer Eddie Garrison does a great job every time he's behind the board, which is every day because he's our lead producer. And he brought up to me yesterday when looking at the AFC playoff picture, I don't know if this is a bold take, but it is a take that he has on his plate right now. And he thinks the Cincinnati Bengals, by the time the season ends, not necessarily the playoff picture, by the time the playoff standings are set, the Bengals will be viewed by many as the best team in the AFC. Mm. Do you view them as that right now? And if you don't, do you see what he is looking at in terms of, I, I see the picture there, what they just did to San Francisco, how good Burrow looked now that it appears he's 100% healthy again. Uh, they're a force to be reckoned with once more. Yeah, I mean, first of all, shout out to the producers, right? If you've done any, like, if you worked five minutes in radio at any point, you know the uh, the unsung heroes that keep everything rolling are, are absolutely the guys behind the board. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I see what he sees. I, I don't know if I'd put them in that category right now, but that's just because you kind of have to beat the best to, to, to be the best. And I think that since he's been there for a few years now, and I feel like they, they might have the most complete team they've had this year now that they're finally fully healthy, because it wasn't just Burrow. I mean, you know, T. Higgins has been banged up a little bit. He's, the, he's not the only one that's been injured. But really it just comes down to a team that, that has 
elite players at, at multiple positions and multiple premium positions. And honestly, I think the perhaps the unsung hero of that roster right now is the offensive line is, is really playing pretty well. I, I mean, they, they, they have taken a lot, of, a lot of grief in recent years for kind of being the weak link on that team. Um, that defense is, is, again, it's one of the best schemes. Um, it, it's got guys that understand how to execute the scheme and, and maybe make a unit that's better than the sum of its parts. Um, but when you have an elite franchise quarterback, you've got superstar you know, player like Jamar Chase, you've got a guy in Joe Mixon in the backfield who can do everything on all three downs. If you can win the trenches, you can get after the quarterback, you can do – I mean, it's all cliche, fundamental stuff, but they're doing it all at such a high level – and then when you have a guy like Burrow at the top playing quarterback at the level he is now that he's back to full strength, if they end up the one seed, if they end up the best team in the AFC like Eddie's talking about, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think we should bookend it with a Halloween talk here, Luke. Your uh, top three candy bar power rankings. I would like to know off the top of your head what, what your list looks like there. I mean, I'm a Reese's guy. I know that's probably cliche as well, but I, I will eat Reese's until I I fall asleep. Like I just I, that they're just phenomenal in in every in every like denomination whatsoever. Big ones, little ones, Reese's pieces. I mean, whatever whatever they come in. If it's Reese's, I'm going to eat it. Have you ever um, said Reese's, or have you always said it correctly? I guess we had that discussion earlier. I, I don't know if it's just a Florida thing, or I was I was taught the right way, but it, it's a Reese's. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, yeah, I don't, yeah, you got it right. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't talk about LSU basketball and talk about uh, Angel Reese's great performance. The other <laughs> night. Like, I don't understand. That. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, I like. I like, uh, let's see, I, I like uh, I like a regular Hershey, though. Hershey milk chocolate bar, I feel like, is very underrated. Wow. It's good. It's smooth. I Sometimes, like a Snickers, sometimes things complicate things. You got uh, you got nougat, you got caramel, you got peanuts in there, and it, it gets a little complicated. I think Twix is underrated. I put Twix in my top three. Big fan of the cookie. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I could do a top three with just different Reese's products. So. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Well, hey, Luke, good stuff, man, covering uh, Halloween candy in the NFL. You crushed it today, man. We appreciate your time. My pleasure, and I'm going to go crush some more Reese's as soon as we're done with this. (laughs) It sounds like it, man. We appreciate that. There he is. Luke Easterling covers the NFL for Athlon Sports. Big Reese's fan. I love what he said about the LSU player right there, Angel Reese. It's a good way to think about it, Jimmy, right? I'm still going to say Reese's. You're still, but yes, it is a good way to think about it. Yes, it's a great way to think about that. Um, were you a fan of uh, Mars Bar back in the day, there, Jimmy? Not really. Oh, you loved me some Mars Bars. Tremendous, tremendously underrated. They were the Will the Thrill Levis of the candy bar world. So they were good one day, but if you had them another, they might be just, <laughs> just a, little, a little hard. I don't, I don't know. Uh, what, real fast, we'll get to the NFL. What are the, the candy bar power rankings there for old Jay Cook? Uh, yeah, Reese's are at number one. Uh, I will put Twix at two. And this is going back to childhood, but I love the Three Musketeers. So we'll put them three. Wow. Put them three, three Musketeers? Oh, yeah. Three? Yeah, I know. I know. That's too high. All right. What's yours? What's yours? Like What's yours? Said, you, can't, you can't come on. Let, I, I know this is all, um, one this is all subjective. But two Reese's, three Reese's. For you, wow, goodness, you guys are. Bi- that's like saying I know this is subjective, like music. That's like saying uh, "Crosstown Traffic" is my favorite Jimi Hendrix song. It's like that's just wrong. <laughs> what are it's your three? Wrong. What are your three? Have you already announced that? That I miss it. Airheads. Um, 
Let me guess. Airheads, <laughs> uh, Tootsie Rolls, and Laffy Taffy. No, 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 no. I haven't given much thought to this. I, I need a detailed breakdown for you, but... I mean, the tried and true Snickers got to be in my top three. I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't. <sighs> you know, I do love Twix. Um, the, the Mars bars are discontinued. I'm telling you, I loved Mars bars. They were tremendous. Kit Kat? Love me some Kit Kat. Oh, you Kit know what? I'll, okay, fine. Uh, three Musketeers outside looking in the top three. We'll put Kit Kat at three. I forgot yeah. about Kit Kat. Yeah. Kit Kat's okay. got to be. Yeah. Dots? Dots are terrible. He mentioned that. He's like, dots, if people still eat those. That was a great line. Very Swedish, subtle line by Luke. Swedish fish or red fish or whatever they are? Nah. I like Swedish fish, but they're not in the top 10. No. I like Swedish yeah. fish, though. Milk duds? No. 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 Absolutely not. Not in the top um, 10. Let's see. Crunch Almond bars? Joy? Uh, no. Not top 10. Crunch bars, yeah. yes. Crunch, Crunch bars, underrated. Yes. 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 What about Three. crackle? No. Not top 10. I was always excited when it popped into the trick-or-treat bag because I liked crunch bars and so it's like oh, okay this is this is close I'm happy Mr. Good Bar I'd go I'd go Milky Way over Mr. Good Bar Mr. Good Bar pretty solid though not bad not bad I enjoyed the peanut butter Snickers when that was a thing I don't know maybe it is still a thing what about but a baby I Ruth? Peanut butter right, yeah nah no not huge on baby Ruth. in a pinch sure if that's all that's there in the candy store, or if like that, if we got a variety pack and that's all that's left, it's like, all right, that's. Fine. By the way, how about Luke going inflatable T Rex on the front lawn? <laughs> oh, that's there? amazing! It's awesome. He's invested. Another thing he mentioned. One thing I greatly agreed with Montez Sweat: the Bears are drunk. I, I think the Bears are like this, guys. I think the Bears, they they don't have a beach body. And they insist on wearing the most revealing swimsuit possible. Like, it's a free country. Do what you want. But it's like, nah, I haven't been to the gym in the last three years. Give me dental floss and I'm good. Like, that's the Bears. Why would they trade for Montez Sweat when they're nowhere near contention? The Bears are confident in in their... In themselves, you know, they're they're they they don't care. They're fine. They're just letting it letting it all be out there. Man, they got, are got got to tip the cap at, at some point to the to the lunacy. Look, if it was a what bugs you more? Because you mentioned both sides of this issue, and you're frustrated with both of them. Would it have been more palatable if it wasn't a second round pick? Because because I agree. At, once the Niners deal happened, we said that to start the show. I was really scratching my head there in part because a second round pick from the Bears is an incredibly valuable pick. Like that, mm-hmm. you're talking like first round just ended, and the Bears are right there. Like right. that, that is that is an insane value of a pick yeah. to give up for a guy that, as you read more about it, like the only reason I gave the <laughs> sideways thumb was surely they're going to retain Montez Sweat, right? But then there's a, a story online I saw earlier during the show that the Falcons were going to get Sweat, and they they felt pretty good about it, and he wanted to go there, and then the Bears swooped in with the second rounder. It's like, uh. eh, sorry, Montez, you're headed to Chicago. Like if the Bears don't retain him. It's a horrific deal. You, you think it is already, and I'm kind of in that boat, but it's especially so if they don't retain him in the offseason. Oh, gosh. It's, yeah, it's beyond drunk if that's the case. But even if the compensation was lower, it's about the window to me. Yeah, Montez Sweat is a good player, but the Bears are not a good team. They no. do not have a good roster. So to even give up a three. They tried that. Like ordinarily, I would argue and say, well, but Brian, you know, maybe you get an experienced player, a, a leader in the trenches, and maybe that makes everybody better by association. But they tried that with Khalil Mack for more disastrous yeah. prospects or draft picks 
at the time, four or five years ago, and he was never the same player there. Ryan Pace, the GM, is acting like this is his last shot, <laughs> right? Like, he's he's not been there very long. I, I think he'll still survive and be there. Well, I don't know now, but I think he still would have survived and been there another season, especially with Justin Fields being banged up. Luke also made it seem like, and we didn't, we didn't, I didn't follow up on him on this because it wasn't really pertinent to our market, but Luke made it seem like in talking about Justin Fields that it's not a foregone conclusion that they're taking a quarterback next year. Like, am I, did I misunderstand that? Like, I thought for certain, and maybe that is that I just misheard him, oh. that it's a quarterback off the board for the first selection for Chicago. Like, that's. They would be, again, certifiably out of their minds if they didn't right. take a quarterback, if they're sitting there with the number one overall like, pick. Who cares about Fields and his contract? Like, whatever. You're, you're getting another swing with a top pick at quarterback uh, this year. Like, okay, either you don't get anything for him or you trade him somewhere, cut bait, and move on. Like, I, Yeah, you have to move on. Yeah. Have to. Uh, the one thing I disagreed with, I hear a lot about this, in the division, same as the Colts, right? The Titans, keeping Derrick Henry. Um. Like, if he walks, they're going to get a compensatory pick for yeah. him, right? So, are you getting better than a late third for Derrick Henry right now? If it's equal or worse value of what you would get back trading yeah. him than a compensatory pick, then nah, you keep him. If Absolutely. there would have been a phone call for like, hey, we'll give you a, I don't know, a low second round pick, right. or maybe a high third round pick, maybe. But yeah, it would the, the value would have to be more than what you'd get back if he walks. That's right, and... I look at it seem like the Ravens. There were a lot of you know reports connecting the dots. Ravens need a running back. Hey, what if they got Derrick Henry? Whoa, that'd be amazing, yada, yada, that type of thing. But they'd be motivated to get Derrick Henry. What do you think the Ravens would offer for Derrick Henry? Again, this is the running back market. It's not going to be much better, if at all, it depends. than a late third. Yeah, it depends where you think the Ravens are right now. I think the Ravens are, are playing some solid football. I still think it is in no particular order. Miami, Cincinnati, Kansas City, Buffalo, and you then Baltimore. You started with Miami. I know I, I did. You said I no certain that. order. I said no particular order. I did start with Miami. You did um, start with Miami, though. But I like. I think I'm with Eddie. I think the Bengals, I'm not fully with Eddie, but I'm with Eddie in the fact I think the Bengals are going to wind up winning the North. I think Baltimore will be a playoff team. Look, it still does matter to be able to run the ball efficiently in the postseason, sure. even as high-powered as offenses are in today's NFL. I would have given it a look if I'm Baltimore. I don't yeah. know how serious those talks were. Again, I'm not. I wasn't fully focused in that market, but I had heard the Derrick Henry rumors. Like, if you feel like it's your window, give up a third. Like, yeah, or maybe a third and a sixth. I don't know. I mean, it's it's the equivalent for me. The Ravens should be adopting the same mentality as San Francisco was in that Chase Young trade, which is right. we don't know how often we're going to have a maybe perfect storm together of this iteration with Lamar Jackson. We need to go all in right now. Would Tennessee have done it? I, I don't know. Right. Because you're getting that comp pick anyway. Right. It's a, t- it's a tough thing because uh, like the Niners, I, I like aggression. I lean more aggressively than not if you're truly in go-for-it sure. mode, which the Niners are, which the Ravens should be. I prefer Niners trading a three for Chase Young than say like the Packers saying, oh, we got to keep our picks and play it safe <laughs> when they had Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. It's like, guys, you got to go for it at some point here. And they just wouldn't. By the way, we left off Butterfinger. That is yes. a, a yeah. gross miscalculation. I don't right know there. that I would have 
put it over Kit Kat, but I guess it's got to be in your top ten. I, yeah, it's oh yeah, easily. It's got to be. Yes, yeah. Love a good Butterfinger. Nobody wow. lays a finger on my Butterfinger. That's all I know. I'm gonna pretend Eddie didn't just say that because it no, sounds like you. He's got dots over Butterfinger. Probably does. It sounds like. <laughs> You probably do, don't you? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming up next. These numbers are staggering. And when players get it wrong, not just teams. We'll get to both of those things. I'm Brian No in for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. Square and Company here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, in for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. What band is this, Eddie? Is this... Uh... It's called Eddie Money. Oh, Eddie Money. Yes. Well, I, I'm mis- mixing it up with... Uh... Who's the... I just died in your arms tonight! Who's that? Isn't that Eddie Money? It's, it's no. like cutting something. It's That's what I... Th- Eddie Money sounds like that. I'm looking it up right now. Come on, Jimmy. Help me out. I just yeah, died in your uh, arms. My seen, singing is phenomenal. My I have no idea. That wasn't bad. I will <laughs> that's say. That's Cutting Crew, yeah. It wasn't bad. Cutting Crew. There you go. Does that not sound like Eddie Money? Maybe a little bit. A little bit, little bit yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I hear it. I do. I hear that too. Did uh, is this sort of like uh, Eric Clapton and Cream type thing? Was Eddie Money the front man of Cutting Crew? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you got some homework. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Could hear the resemblance right there. Okay, so Adam Thielen, he's putting up numbers. I was just looking at this. Obviously, the Colts are taking on the Panthers on Sunday. Listen to this. So. Adam Thielen, game by game. First game of the year. So he's coming off of four straight seasons with the Vikings under 1,000 yards receiving. Okay? So the thought was, all right, you got Adam Thielen, big deal. He's lost a step, maybe two steps. First game of the year against the Falcons, two catches for 12 yards. (laughs) It's like confirmed. We knew he was losing a step. Listen to this, though. The next six games... Seven catches for 54 yards and a touchdown. 11 catches for a buck 45 and a touchdown. Seven catches for 76 yards. 11 catches for 107 and a touchdown. 11 catches for 115 and a touchdown. And then last week against Houston, eight catches for 72 yards. So He's had at least seven catches the last six games. And a touchdown in four of them. He's had a really yeah. good year. Yeah, and I mean, you look at how quickly he gets forgotten because of, like, the, the thought was, oh, what's Carolina doing? Like, he's past his prime. And, yeah, I mean, quietly he's put together an impressive campaign. And when you look at what the Panthers have been able to do to this point in the season offensively, the fact that he has put up those numbers deserves some roses, no doubt. Absolutely. I don't know, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, later in the week, but to tease the audience until Friday, we're discussing where the prop bets might lie for Colts-Panthers and and something like that. Maybe that's a difference maker, particularly against a Colts secondary that is what it is at this point. That's what's crazy, too, though, is when he's matched up on Kenny Moore, 
Kenny Moore is really good, man. I love me some Kenny Moore. So that's where it's tricky, right? Yeah. That's where betting screws with you, where you're like, okay, I don't want to be obvious to a fault because Adam Thielen, he's not going to catch seven passes every single week, right? Eventually, he's going to have a down game. So you really don't want to get your hand caught in the cookie jar when you're like, he's going to run it back against the Colts, and this is the week he doesn't, you know, because of the matchup. But then you don't want to go against the grain when it's been such a consistent trend with Thielen this year, right? You start out thinking yourself then. That is like the... We mentioned this again before we went to break. It's like when you look at a good over-under and you see the number and you're like, oh, this side is clearly it. But then you start to think to yourself, right. wait, but why is it that number? Let's What's throw going it out on there? there. We were just discussing the London game, Dolphins and Chiefs. Germany. Oh, sorry, Germany sorry. game. Okay. Sorry. My bad about that. By the way, <laughs> not too late. My birthday is Saturday, Jimmy. If you want to spring for Germany tickets, we'll go over there. We'll enjoy our teams, huh? We we joked about that during the summer. The answer is the same as it was then, which is I don't make enough to do that. But okay. even, even if I did, the play would have been to do that in July, not five days before the game. What was your stake wager? I forget. It's Super Bowl. Uh, oh, it's like five yeah. or six different uh, teams to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. It's over a three-year period. Two. Two-year. It was no, two. No, I thought it, it was, was three. No, it was two. It was three. It was two. It's three. And he'll it take wasn't back just the two. tape. It was two. Eddie, you just said it was three, right? Three. All right, well, it was play, three go, years. Go look back at the tape. It was two. I have it written down in my notes. I, I'm almost positive it was over three years. And I said, Jimmy, how many teams are on your list that cannot win the Super Bowl over the next three years? I will I will trust you on your record keeping. If it says in your notes yeah. it was three, then it was three. But I'm fairly certain it was I'm two. I'm almost positive. Well, you're outnumbered. It's 2v1. doesn't yeah. matter. It's, there's facts to go look up. It's not an opinion-based thing. It is, let's find the data and figure out who's Jimmy, right. Anyway, the you point gave remains. us like... You gave us 24, no, no, it was like 22 teams. There are only like 10 teams, in your opinion, that you think could win the Super Bowl over think, the next 10 I think, years. I think it was less than that. I think it was, think it was uh, I'm trying to pull it five up right teams now. over two years. It. Searching, Man. hold on. Yeah, I because find. we started this, is... this during the offseason. It was this coming Here season and the following. Yeah, that, this was, uh, I've got all of our predictions. All you right. should see some of these graphs and pie charts. Oh, I have our seven playoff new playoff teams, Ooh. right? Seven new playoff teams, and then oh, I forgot gross. about that. Seven that playoff teams that don't that was make a hard it exercise. You want to? Do you want to? Let's see. Let's see. The, like almost I w- the mid season. I, I, would li- I would like the answer to my query first, and then we can okay, go down right, any path. I'm still, like, I'm, all right, I'm still checking. Let's see. Oh yeah, right here. Bets <laughs> dash Jimmy Cook. Yep. Super Bowl appearance next. Three okay. years. All right. No chance question mark. Okay. So you have Jimmy says only 10 teams have a chance to win the Super Bowl over the next three years. Okay. You've got the Bills, Jets, Bengals, Jags, Chiefs, Chargers, then in the NFC, Eagles, Cowboys, Vikings, Niners. So Vikings. anybody Vi- else. Vikings is tough. Vikings, I was baking on. Baking on some progress there. Will you do me a favor just for my records as well? Because I intend yeah. to pay up on that if I'm wrong. Uh, will you send me a screenshot of that? Because I only have like five or seven of the teams down. So we made this. I even have it dated. April 21st, 2023. It says date. There's the bet. Steaks. Steak dinner. Yep. yep. <laughs> there it is. That's what it was. Yep. 
That's what you have. All right, right I will there. concede I was wrong. I apologize to both of okay. you. But I thank you for looking it up so we could be factually no accurate. Now, I will cut that up and save it for my records. Yes. Jimmy admitting you, he was wrong. I'll take you a screenshot. I'm not above admitting I was wrong. That's true. Neither is Brian. Remember yeah. how correct he was on CJ oh, Stroud? Right. I've, I've admitted he's <laughs> off to a good you have. start you have. right now. You have. You have. You're, yeah. still, you're still leaving yourself, rightfully so, the doorway of right now. I mean, let's, let's see I mean, how things play listen, out. Listen, we're but, what, seven games in? Right, and I would agree. Wouldn't you say even seven games in, you, you couldn't say whether or not a career is going to be good or not? Like don't, you, you probably agree with that, right? Uh, probably. I thought the thing with Russell Wilson, it's changed, but sure. Russell Wilson against your Chiefs in the preseason, Jimmy. Yeah. I was like, man, this guy's got something. Now, I didn't know he was going to be as good for a decade right. as he was in Seattle. Right. But that was sometimes a Will Levis you can joke, feel by it. the way. I don't know if you caught that or not. I, oh, true. But think about Justin Herbert, his first start against your Chiefs. Again, maybe sure. that's the magic and, formula. And, and he put together a whole season, right? Didn't he win? Right. He went offensive rookie of the year that year? Am I wrong he on had, that? He had to have. I'm like, I can't, who, I'm, who 90% stole it from certain, I'm 90% certain he won it. Because his numbers were electric, and it was like, wow, the Chargers have their guy, and they might have their guy, but they don't have their coach, that's for certain. Yeah, let's see. So it was Herbert in 2020. Yeah. Followed by Jamar Chase, then Garrett Wilson. You know there what you would go. be hysterical? Oh, yeah, I thought Chase got screwed that year. That's right. What would be hysterical? What was it down to? It was uh, Chase and who else, Eddie? I thought it was just Chase and Herbert. No, no, no. It was Herbert in 2020, then Jamar Chase in 21. Oh, let me look then. But it might have been Mac Jones. I think it was Mac Jones and Jamar Chase. And Jamar edged him out at the very end. But go ahead, Jimmy. You were getting to something? Um, I got locked into the award. My bad. I'm no, sorry. it's okay. That's all right. You're going to bring up Butterfinger and I <laughs> screwed it up. <laughs> That's all right. No, but like, oh, no, I now remember. Even though I'm on the, I don't think Will Levis is going to pan out train, and yeah. I'm sure there's minimums you have to hit on this, it would be truly like I, w- I would tip the cap and gladly be wrong if he lights the world on fire the rest of the season and is like in the conversation <laughs> for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Because it would be one of the more remarkable, like, this guy can't play dead. Look at what right. he did in the preseason. Look oh. at what he did in training camp it, to be able to pull that. Again, I don't think it's going to happen, but there's a possibility, Brian. There's Justin definitely Jefferson. a possibility there. Justin about- Jefferson? Yes. What about him? That oh, was I- second to Herbert. Ah. Oh, and 20. Gotcha. Got it. Okay. Hey, by the way, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. How great would that be? Uh, that was, I think, one of the bigger follow-the-leader takes. And I'm not saying that there wasn't anybody that had an original thought with Will Levis. Sure. Because some watched him a lot in college. Sure. But... There are a lot of people you know as well as I do. They didn't watch Kentucky games left and right, and they were just following the trend, sure. which is this guy's a bum. He can't play. Why would they take him? It's like he was injured in college, and look at who he had around him at Kentucky. Are you kidding me? I want to clarify, and this is very important for both our relationship and the integrity of the airways. just like you're not saying that I did that. I'm right, not right, saying right. you did this, yeah. but I feel like there were those out there oh, yeah. that went the other way with it who watched equally as little Kentucky football. Uh, I'm, again, to clarify, I'm not saying you did that, okay. but there were some that did. There were? How many like swimming upstream? No, no, no. Will Levis could actually be good. They're few and far between. There's been a lot of revisionist take on it as well. A lot of people now point to the buzzword around Will Levis is, well, I mean, look at the value they got where they took him. I mean, it, you know, it's a it's a low-risk move. Like, I've heard that a couple yeah. of times nationally now after uh-huh. the performance against Atlanta is, I mean, 
You don't fault the Titans. He was there. I mean, the value there is tremendous. Like, oh uh, yeah, man, that's <laughs> what a weasel take that is. Um, by the way, I mentioned this too. We always talk about when teams and GMs miss on picks, miss on players, whether it's the draft or free agency trades. We always talk about that. How about when players miss out on teams? Think about Devontae Adams, right? He's with the Packers. He's like, I want to be traded. He goes to the Raiders and look at the disaster he finds himself in. Right? Like, we'll talk about Chris Ballard all day and some of the swings and misses. How about the players that have a say and they can make a trade request? And sometimes it is horrible how it works out. Or Odell Beckham Jr. has been a little bit banged up this year, but he chose Lamar and the Ravens instead of your Chiefs, Jimmy? Yeah. Like they, there are sometimes swing and misses by the players, not just the teams. Yeah, and for Adams especially... Like, I feel bad for him because, by all accounts, when he's on, one of the best wide receivers in the game, and he's trapped there for the prime of his career. Like, granted, granted by his making because he right. asked for it, but like, barring, which I know some people around here would like to see it because he's a Purdue product, but barring Aiden O'Connell, like, I mean, the Raiders aren't playing for anything, but they announced today that I think Aiden O'Connell is the starter definitely this weekend. I don't know if that's going forward or not, but he's going to get an opportunity to see what he has within the Raiders offense. They're four or five years away from being anything relevant. And not only are they wasting Devontae Adams, this one isn't a trade. Like Max Crosby is one of the best defensive ends in all of football. And you're likely outside of that one game against Cincinnati two years ago, never going to see him in meaningful games in the prime of his career, which stinks. How crazy would it have been if the Raiders traded for Montez Sweat? Like, that's what the Bears just did. <laughs> I mean, they still play the Chiefs twice, so maybe maybe they just want to wreak havoc on the division. I, I don't know. But yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're a nightmare. And like we said earlier, I know Colts fans are, are happy to see Josh McDaniels go. The Chiefs fan in me, hey, you know, it's tough. I, yeah. I like Josh McDaniels. Thought he was doing good things there in uh, Las Vegas. Man. Imagine if the Colts saw that, if McDaniels didn't say, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I reconsidered. What, what looks worse, Jimmy? Ser- this is a serious question for the Colts. Is hiring Josh McDaniels, him then turning around and saying, I changed my mind, no thanks, and then going on to do what he did with the Raiders. You know what I mean? Like who who looks worse between Who looks worse? Is it Josh McDaniels saying, "Nah, I'm out of here actually. And no thank you." Or is it the Colts yeah. saying, "Here are the keys to the car, buddy." And it goes the way it went. I I think it's still McDaniels because he is the poster child of, "Oh, look what he did with a head coach that was the large factor for why they won those championships. We can make something out of him." and he's gotten multiple bites of the apple to do it, and he hasn't been able to do it. Like, I think it's still McDaniel, but that is an interesting... I had to think about it for a second, I'll be honest, because right. of just the... What a tumultuous... I mean, the tumultuous times aren't done here in Indy. Yeah. Hopefully they've stabilized, but what a tumultuous time that was in the era of Colts football. Think about this. The Colts are basically the opposite of the Jets. So the Jets gave Belichick the job. Right. And then he said, nah, you know, <laughs> not for me, actually. And then he went on to do what he did with the Patriots. Yeah. Josh McDaniels told the Colts, actually, no, thanks. 
even though you've given me the job. And then he went on to go 9-16 and 16 with the Raiders. <laughs> So the so the moral of the story is that Colts fans should actually take uh, take McDaniel's out to dinner. Is that what you're saying? Is that is that, that the angle? My angle is uh, yikes. That's my yikes angle. all around for all yeah. parties. Yikes. yikes all around. I I I like Shane Steich, and I'm interested to see what he's able to do as a head coach. It's a different time for Colts football, but yeah, yikes all around at the time, and <laughs> made Josh McDaniel's never get another bite at that apple. Whew. And if he does, hopefully he's with the Chargers. All right, coming up next, speaking of bites at the apple, you, Jimmy, you've got some picks to make. Of course. Eddie has been saying his NBA picks are legendary. I might have been, I might have embellished his word. Let Eddie cook. That's right. (laughs) Let Eddie cook. Uh, We'll get to some uh, gambling predictions right around the corner. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. It's Quarry and Company here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook here on the fan. You know what? I don't feel like wasting time over here. I feel like making some cash. Let's do it. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. Today's Plays of the Day. Pop the champagne in Texas. I guess in Arizona because that's where they're at. The Texas Rangers win their mm. first World Series. I'll take them on the money line. And it's in part because Nathan Avaldi is going to go over 15 and a half outs responsible for mm. tonight against the Diamondbacks. It's been really good. For the Pacers, one lock and one caveat bet here. I'm going to scoop the 11 on the Pacers. This is a barometer game, but I think they hang around and they're able to cover the number. I'm going over two and a half top. Two and a half threes for Tyrese Halliburton, though he is questionable with an ankle, right, Eddie? Am I right on that? Mm-hmm. He's questionable with an ankle, so monitor that. I guess if you bet it right now. He did not practice yesterday. If you bet that right now, worst case, it's going to be voided, but we'll go over two and a half three pointers for Tyrese Halliburton. Worst case is he tries to give it a go and hits nothing. Yeah, that's fair, but he went one <laughs> for eight a night ago with what I thought was still like ramifications from the illness he had on Saturday, plus the ankle injury, so. I don't know. I'm hoping that the world is right and he's able to get over that number. So that's what I'm rolling with tonight. Eddie, do you have anything? I do. I'm going to roll with the guy that I have made a lot of money on between the last couple seasons, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. The number is big, but I don't care. Over 30 and a half for SGA against the Pelicans. No guard can defend him. Eddie likes big numbers and he cannot lie. We learned (laughs) that. true. Yep. That's all I got in terms of numbers for tonight. Uh, wow, Brian, that's any, it. Anything on your front? No, I'm just uh, studying the uh, NFL slate on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still. I'm really. I'm. I'm tempted to take this Colts Panthers over 44, and we've talked about it off the air, but the Colts offense has been pretty good. Panthers defense is banged up, and we know about the Colts shortcomings defensively. I, I can see this going over 44. The crazy thing is, ask yourself, how many points do you think the Colts are good for? If you say 27, it's like, all right, are they going to keep the Panthers to under 17? I doubt it. That would give you a push right there. But how confident are you that the Colts get to 27? Yeah, I mean, I will say, even though I've made fun of it because the defense has been so bad, that that has been what they've been trumpeting the last. Like they're the only team in the league to average more than or to score more than twenty points a game so far this year. I don't know about twenty seven, but I think they get over twenty. And 
at that point, you're looking at a Colts secondary that has struggled so far this year. And yeah. even if it's Carolina you're backing, who won by scoring under 20 points via an Eddie Pinheiro field goal, I think that you could probably still get to the number. So I, I would go over as it stands right now. By the way, you want to talk about a rock fight in the making? Mm-hmm. Giants Raiders. The total <laughs> the total is 37. It's very low for the NFL. I can't wait to talk about not enough time for it today, but I can't wait to talk about it on Friday when we go into college football. Yeah. The Northwestern Iowa. Oh yeah, uh, was it twenty nine ish? Open at twenty nine and a half. I think the <laughs> lowest over under in college history. Who's scoring in Giants Ooh. Raiders? You got Aiden O'Connell. Giants defense has played pretty well lately. They traded Leonard Williams. Got to factor that in there. Um, Saquon but, Barkley and uh, Devontae will find the end zone. Aiden O'Connell uh, will have a Will Levis-like performance. Hey, they might. That's only 14 points. <laughs> you, you have a handful more touchdowns you need to get over that. All right, we will reconvene tomorrow. More picks for you. Enjoy the World Series and a little, what do we got, Maction tonight? I believe we yep. do. And JMV, top of the hour. We'll catch you soon.